0: Miniature soldiers,
1: big opinions, this is the Conclave Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Conclave. I am your host, ADR Wargaming, and tonight I am joined by two of the normal Conclave team. Unfortunately, I'll just say before we start, Quipster is not with us, but don't worry, we'll we'll still insult him. Unfortunately, he's uh, he's not feeling too well. So, you know what, we'll keep the insults up, but let's also send him a little bit of love. Um, so, I am joined by uh, Ed the Sandman. Ed, say Hi. Hi. <laughs> there we go nice succinct to the point it's what we like about you ed and of course we are joined by reza himself say hi reza uh for alex i'll say hello there there we go (laughs) he'll enjoy that he'll enjoy that and we are joined by two very special guests from one of our favorite youtube channels play on tabletop we've got tack and jt say hi
3: guys Hello. Hi, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's good. Um, yeah, so tonight we are going to be talking with Tak and JT a little bit about um, their history in the hobby and obviously what they're doing with play on tabletop, as well as a look at JT's fantastic Drakari list, which recently ended up in the final of the Las Vegas Nopen, um, which I think has been something that people have very much enjoyed seeing, seeing the Drakari. And we've also got a new codex on the way, so we may get their thoughts on on that. So, to kick off, let's start with you, Tack. Could you Uh-oh. tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby and, and how, how long have you been doing this? What, what, what's your favourite army, etc?
0: Okay, how did I get into the hobby? Um, it was actually Paul. Paul, the silent member of the PlayOn team. Uh, I've been painting miniatures for about 15, 16 years, um, randomly posting them on Facebook every now and then. And then all of a sudden, Paul, out of nowhere, kind of messaged me and said, you know, there's a game, right? Uh, I'm like, no. Uh, So he he had me over, showed me the game, and I've been hooked ever since. Um, Primarily, I am a Space Marine player, uh, but for purposes of play on and for our fans, uh, I do lend my services out to other factions when we need them
2: nice nice and do you do you have a uh, a favorite chapter at all or Whoa. are you are you make your own successor no i've got about ten thousand points of ultramarines nice Woo! nice good stuff <laughs> yeah Re- reza is also uh, a fan of the ultramarines although he is army. like me primarily yeah yeah so well same yeah so uh, primarily playing uh, a bit of blood angels at the moment but yeah the, the nice. signs of gilliman are strong here cool and uh jt what about yourself
3: I, uh, I started this hobby, uh, oh goodness, 35 years ago when it first came out, and I first saw it in, in one of the local hobby shops, and bought the soft cover Rogue Trader, and then uh, a buddy of mine bought the hardcover Rogue Trader, and then down the road I bought the hardcover Rogue Trader, and I've been collecting uh, pirate space elves ever since. They were my first love, those great big conical helmets and the weird patterns that they painted on them and the cool images back in the days of deodorant land speeders and, and foam ball toothpick alien plants. So I've been playing for, for that long. I have models in my collection that are older than some of the members of Play on Tabletop, which is a little frightening to me, and I bought them new, which is even more frightening. <laughs> um, wow! but I absolutely love the I've always loved the Eldar aesthetic. Um and the Drukari and Dark Eldar have always when we finally got the Codex around, what was it, second, third edition, when they finally released that little one, um, it, was, it was just heaven. It was like, oh, finally. And then when fifth edition hit, and right before it transitioned to sixth, suddenly Dark Eldar were, were powerhouses for a while, and it just felt incredibly good. And I've, I've, I have many other armies, but the evil space elves will always be my first love
2: nice nice cool so i mean talking about the 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 old hammer i mean are you still using any of your any of your really really old models in your current armies or or have they been sort of consigned to a shelf
3: oh no i still use all the old models to the to the detriment of uh of our editor nick really do you have to play those metal rangers jt i'm like but they're cool (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i have i have most of like my racks are all, in my Coven Army, my racks are all converted from the original witches, the original metal witches, um, with the big hands and the big feet, and they didn't really look very witch-like. The new witches are amazing sculpts, and I probably got like 30 or 40 of them, but I love those old models still, so they all became racks, because a little green stuff, and a little love, and a little spikes, and a little blades, and that kind of stuff, and it came out pretty well. My Ravagers, all old school. My Reapers are converted Raiders, the old school Raiders. I still have a lot of the old Raiders and stuff, uh, but I have new stuff too. So what I've done in my army is I mix it up. So the old heavy weapon gear, the Raiders, the ra- or the Ravagers and the Reapers and that kind of stuff are the old models, whereas the newer stuff are, are the newer Raiders, which look really cool, just don't have that same sleek, pointy, stabby aesthetic that I like so much.
4: I do, I do find that really funny with uh, Eldari the kits because, and don't get me wrong, I, I have a lot of sympathy for Eldari players and that they haven't had a lot of the refresh that a lot of some of the other armies have had. But they do hold up really well. A lot, a lot of, a lot of the kits. There's, there's some probably they classics, do. but like, yeah, like the vehicles, for example, uh, all hold up amazingly
3: well. Um, the well, the Falcons and the and the uh, Wave Serpents. Yeah. They look, they still look great. Um, way better than the original, those old Armorcast ones. Which I'd still love to get some of those, but. Um, but no, the the guardians. I don't think the guardians have had an update in twenty twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they still look pretty. Yeah, cool. they're not bad, are they? They're, they're there okay. is that one.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is that. There is that one new one, right? Who unfortunately is a a corpse on the uh, <laughs> on, the, on <laughs> Which yeah, which I think nice. annoyed a lot of elder players. <laughs> um, yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, the the Eldar. We we a friend of ours, um, Charles, who who's part of our sort of gaming group here in London. He's a he's a very big elder player, and he's probably got like you know eight to ten thousand points if not more and these are all sort of be- bealtan painted and and mm. uh you know he 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 has the the common complaint of eldar players you know as we say that you know it's very old sculpts and you know they should release something new but yeah they they do still look good i mean i compare them to say some of the older before they refreshed the range some of the sisters of battle models uh in particular the the dialogus who was uh sort of knocking around looking like they had something wrong with them <laughs> um, so they were they were a lot less a lot less palatable i think and uh, and whole up a lot less well even than the the fine cast, um, Eldar. Oh, but uh, but yeah, though no, that's effort. it's it's oh. re- it's really cool that you're still getting use out of them. I think that's awesome. Actually, I think there's always room for that. Um,
3: to yeah, still I, I, I I love it. I love the look. So
1: Can I a silly question. Yeah. Ready for the first tangent? I don't really know a lot about Dukari or or any Eldar at all. What is the difference between Dukari and Eldari for someone who needs to be kind of told and educated? Like where where oh. would, where did all this happen? Oh, this, <laughs> this depends on who you ask.
0: <laughs> And do you want to put a timer on this? <laughs> JT could go on forever.
1: <laughs> they
0: can
4: keep the games okay. to 40 minutes. They can't keep the. <laughs> I'll
3: give you the elevator pitch on the difference. Um, Eldar are the oldest race in the galaxy that still exists. Um, they literally partied so hard, hard they birthed the god. Um, and that god either always existed or never existed, depending on which way you look at it. The Drukhari said, you know what? We don't need psychic power. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to we're going to hide from She Who Thirsts. Whereas the other Eldar went "Oh man, did we screw up? We got to fix this and we have to protect ourselves from dying by using soul stones. And the Harlequins were like, look, we're going to dance and we're going to show you how this all works. Um, and we're going to remind you guys of how you screwed up completely and royally. So that's basically how Eldar work <laughs> in a
2: nutshell. There's uh, I think I think if I may say, I think there is one one key component there jt which you've 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 just frivolously overlooked which is our favorite dinosaur riding edge of the galaxy dwelling version of the eldar who who currently don't really have a line which is the exodites true, true. Do, you, the exodites.
3: do you do you have any Exodite? do you have any exodites in your eldar force i have some um but they're really old stuff stuff that i had bashed and converted um my favorite Quasi-Exodite Army, if you want to call it that, is owned by a friend of mine in Grand Fort, Scott dewinner Wilkie has an entire Crute Dark Eldar Army. Wow. So models from Slaanesh, models from um, Sigmar, models from you name it, and then Crute, but it is an entire Dark Eldar Army all made out of Crute and Crute animals and monsters and flyers and stuff. It's freaking amazing. That is like the penultimate Exodite Allied Army. It's so cool. I I can't touch it, so I'm like, no, nope, I'm not building one. We're done. Scott wins. I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: I've seen people using the uh, the Seraphon from AOS as uh, as as conversions for those for, for yep. sort of doing doing exodite armies, which is quite cool. Um, so but yeah, there are there. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're like the um, the the sort of like the country cousins of the Eldar. They're like they. No one really talks about them, but they're there. They're doing their thing. They're riding <laughs> riding around on a, on the back of a dinosaur. Um, so to to move to me back to you, tack a little bit. If you don't want me asking, what attracted you to the Ultramarines? Then what was your what was your sort of your draw into them as your favourite chapter? Oh, I mean, um,
0: unfortunately, I don't have the the time that a lot of the other members of play on have. So I'm not the lore guy. Um, I'm the oh, that looks pretty guy. So <laughs> growing up, kind of like walking past the Games Workshop and kind of seeing the poster boys, I'd always wanted to have an Ultramarines army. Um, so finally, when you know um, it came down to like doubling down uh, and building like the, my biggest force, I chose the Ultramans just because as a kid I'd always wanted them.
4: As it as it um, currently looks like they are going to release a range of. Ultramarines characters we've seen Ventures. Is are there any of the Ultramarines characters that you're particularly excited to get
0: uh, again unfortunately I'm not the lore guy no, fair enough. so <laughs> it's all it's all about how good the sculpts look um, and really I didn't start my Ultramarines force and this will earn the ire of some people um, I didn't start it until the Primaris came out um, I wasn't a big fan of the hero scale um, mm. It's got an aesthetic. I I, mm. I I enjoy it, but I didn't particularly want to paint it. Uh, but then the primaries came out, and uh, actually the model that won me over was the Redemptor Dreadnought, because now, nice. as uh, a half Japanese guy growing up and watching a lot of anime and watching a lot of <laughs> mecha anime in particular, I could never I could never fall in love with the old dreadnoughts like. They were just too small. Um,
4: <laughs> Give it legs. Like, we're
0: talking these massive war machines stomping across the, uh, the battlefield. And then when I saw them, like they're stubby. They don't look like they do much stomping. Uh, their knees don't look like they could ever work. They're kind of just like meandering through the battlefield. So <laughs> when, uh, when the Repulsor kit and the Redemptor kit came out, I absolutely fell in love with the Space Marines. And uh, it's
2: been going hard ever since. No, I, I think that's cool. I think there's a, there's a, I mean, certainly for myself and I think Rich, you're the same. We came back into the hobby at the time, you know, having, having sort of played it when we were a lot younger and, and I had like a Tower army back then. Um... Because I like that sort of like modern, you know, especially with I mean I grew up watching you know a fair bit of like sort of anime, especially the Mecha stuff. So again, the like battle suit appeal, um, I think was was a big one for me when I was when I was when I was a bit younger. Um, but when I, I bought some Space Marines because I got the the No No Fear set, the primary scale for me, I just I really like it, and I. I'd, One thing, again, may cause some ire among some people. One thing I really don't like is when people try and gatekeep and they do that thing where they're like, oh, well, if you haven't got like, you know, the old scale space marines and you haven't really played. It's like, no, if people want to build a Primaris army, if you love the Redemptor Dreadnought, as you do, if you love all the hover vehicles, all the repulsive vehicles, that's your hobby, man. Like, go for it. Um, And like, I've I've converted up a load of um, uh, sorry, this comes up almost every podcast. So the guys are bored of hearing this. But um, my sanguinary guard that I use in my Blood Angels successor, I hate the sanguinary guard kit because they're A they're tiny they're supposed to be these super powerful warriors and B the sculpt um and again the thing the listeners will be familiar with hearing me get angry about <laughs> is the knee abs they have these like weird crosses on their knees so they have like knee yes. muscles. So what I just the took the stormcast kit. They don't skip yeah, leg yeah, day. Exactly. Adam. I keep
1: telling you it's the importance of doing <laughs> yeah, leg I know, day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I took some uh, I took some stormcast kits to kind of bring them up to to primary scale so that it would also match the rest of my army. Um, and you know same for the death company I've used the uh, the assault intercessor kit to sort of create jump pack, you know, uh, Primaris scale uh, Death Company Marines. So I think it's it's definitely like it's a, it's a thing of if you, if you like the aesthetic, then that is that
1: is absolutely the thing That's to do. It's interesting you, you think because when I joined the hobby, which is eighth, and I, I was completely brand new to it, I didn't know any different. So Primaris were like the first Marines I I found. Other than like Dawn of War, I just thought oh maybe they just updated how they look. I didn't realise that uh, what what had happened in the Lord had happened in law with Gulman returning and everything etc. It was just oh they just made them bigger. And then eventually I found out what actually happened. And then I, and I chose Ultramarines for the same rate. They were the poster boys. And it was kind of like, oh, this is them telling me how I should paint them. And it's how I kind of learned to paint. <laughs> do you guys yeah. Do you guys like both Rich and Tack? Do you guys like playing with Gilliman? Is that
4: something that, you know, really encourages, you're encouraged to put in your force every time? Do your friends stop you putting it in your list every time? Or are you not really fussed with that kind of big centerpiece model?
1: Hmm. I've only used it uh... twice. Uh, because I, I don't sure. want to be that guy. I don't want to bring a bring, <laughs> bring a Primarch to like a friendly game and then absolutely stomping everyone. Um, <laughs> because like if I mean if I was gonna play him in a tournament, I probably would. Because um, he is cool. Um, mm. I don't know. I've only ever used him twice.
3: <laughs> tack? What about you,
0: tack? Do you use him a lot? Uh, JT.
1: How often do I use Gilman?
3: <laughs> Um It really depends. If he's playing pure on Ultramarines, it depends. If he's running his four horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> then that's a Ooh. different thing altogether uh, and Tack you'll have to tell him about that list but yeah Tack runs Gulliman fairly often actually I do um, um, So I, he's pretty cool
0: both JT and myself uh, prior to um, forming PlayOn we're both fairly regular tournament players um, and you could kind of say that we're competitive in terms of we do want to win our tournaments we do we do, um, uh, do want to succeed however like never at the detriment of having fun um, so luckily we've got a meta here in Vancouver that has a pretty pretty good competitive scene. Hmm. So we're all forgiving of each other bringing the best lists that we can because we want to beat each other at our best, right? Hmm. Um, so I would play, when, when Gilliman was really good and it made sense for him to be in my list because I wanted to kind of go to top table, yeah, absolutely, I was playing a lot of Gilliman. But at the same time, you know sometimes you get bored, not bored, but sometimes you just want to have fun so I went to the <laughs> biggest tournament in b c mm-hmm. and uh, second, I dare think biggest uh, biggest event biggest not only the games yeah right so the biggest event in b c and I decided to go with four models that's it my <laughs> entire two thousand now we're talking two thousand points okay and at the time because it was mostly ultramarines, it actually counted as an ultramarines uh super heavy detachment (laughs) so i was scoring as ultramarines in that tournament um and it was gilliman (laughs) and astraeus uh the spartan and um uh imperial knight and that was my list wow wow
1: that's pretty how did it how did it go (laughs)
0: um so during that time the meta was uh imperial knights so it was made to kind of punch imperial knights how many Imperial Knight lists did I face that tournament? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so regardless to say, it didn't do very well. Um, it w- I won two games, lost three, I think. So it was, it was okay, but I was, I was there just to have fun. Yeah, yeah. Every game was over in an hour, though. Uh, I played two games it. in an hour with one player because he brought Brass That's Scorpion. True. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, the game was over in half an hour. And then we're like, "It's a tournament. What are we gonna do for the next like two hours?" So we just decided to play again. Oh, okay.
2: But yeah, <laughs> the second <laughs> game was also over in half an hour. So oh god, That's, I mean, it's you know what? It's games like that where they're just like ridiculous but memorable. Yeah. Where someone brings like, I mean, how often do you see a bra? I mean, I don't, I don't, I say I don't about the the scene where you guys are, but I don't think over here you you very rarely will you see a brass scorpion knocking around. I've seen one um, on. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, I've only ever, only ever seen one on on tabletop tactics yeah. being used. I've never seen one in person, unfortunately, which is a shame because it's a cool model. We are really cool model. absolutely
0: blessed, I think, in BC for people that just kind of just want to have fun, um, mm. and I think that's that's gone a long way in kind of forming our personas here on PlayOn. But we just want to have fun. So uh, we've uh, Sterling, who's been on the channel, he wanted to be the number one assassins player in RTC, so he played. Two thousand points of twelve assassins and three buildings. He's that guy.
4: Oh my! Well, I remember yeah. oh, this yeah, list yes. coming up in LBO. That it's
0: yeah. the funniest thing
4: yeah. I've ever <laughs> seen. He went to LBO with that list, yeah. right? That was incredible, um, amazing. <laughs> so that man is beloved at, by the internet. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. He's, he's a good guy. Um, and then um, at that particular tournament, I faced a brass scorpion with my four horsemen. I faced the ne- Necron pylon. With that? Uh, Wow. (laughs) Um, And here's the thing. He brought a pylon, a doomsday arc, and a Tesseract Vault. And here's a really interesting interaction with the Tesseract Vault. You measure to the base, right? But the model, we know the model's this big. Yeah. So can an Imperial Knight get into base contact to fight a Tesseract Vault? (laughs) 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 Just just tip it slightly. (laughs) So basically what happened in that game is, uh, one... My my Imperial Knight charged the uh, pylon. And then the weird interaction is a pylon is stationary. Which means I auto-hit. Which means I can finally use my gauntlet. Which means I can throw the (laughs) pylon if I destroy it. So you see me whip, like throw a pylon at a Tesseract Vault. (laughs) Then try to consolidate into the Tesseract Vault. Only to find out that I can't consolidate into the Tesseract Vault. Because I can't get into one inch of the base. So my Knight's just kind of standing there waving hello. To, you know, a a Catan. Uh yeah, good times, and and really those are kind of the moments that you want to have at these tournaments. These memorable, oh my God, what just happened here? Kind of uh, just really fun moments.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think that's 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 a sign of a great tournament and and a good good scene. I mean, we we've been talking a little bit on previous episodes about sort of how to approach you know when you're. We had a question from a listener about sort of how to approach, um, you know, f- effectively friendly versus competitive games. And we were saying about, you know, making sure you, you you talk to the person beforehand, you know, exchange, not even to the point of exchanging lists. I mean, obviously do that. But before you get to that stage, you know, saying to people, oh, I would like to bring a you know pretty competitive list or I am going to bring my brass scorpion or, you know, whatever, whatever model you're going to bring just to establish the groundwork. And I think I think. Th- unfortunately you know it sounds like you guys have a really good meta over there but i think in in london this is something ed's talked about before uh, or, in, or in the uk in some ways that's that's frowned upon um like about the sort of asking of questions before before the game so we, mm. we we've been talking about the fact that you sometimes end up in this kind of weird sort of version of 40k game theory where you're going okay uh you know i'm going to this thing but i know that this person's coming and they're probably going to bring their really tough list so i'm going to bring my really tough list and then it just kind of it, it accelerates from then on um it, it, you know it's not i wouldn't say that's that's massively widespread but I, I think that is one thing that we could be better at over here and it, it's certainly from talking to you know guys in the u.s and canada yeah because uh, we spoke to adrian from from titans last week and he was saying you know similarly they have a good good scene over there in, in on the west coast of the u.s so it seems like it's something that's that's better maybe in 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 the u.s and, and canada than it is it is in the uk at the moment unfortunately yeah
5: uh, I
3: think in the uk the competitive um, Honestly, I think it's competitive that does it. Sorry, Tack. Um, I think I think it's the, comp- the competitive level that we aspire to in North America is so much more popular than it is in the UK, or at least it seems that way. When mm-hmm. you have a competitive meta that exists already, that social contract that I know what I'm having when I go to the game is already laid out. So when you walk yeah. into a tournament of 65 players, you know that the guys are there to smash mouth. Mm-hmm. And if you're not there to smash mouths, then you know you're there to have fun. So you already know what you're getting going into it. And then it becomes second nature in pickup games. Hey, I, I have this tournament list I'd like to try, or hey, I want to play my brass scorpion. Cool, I'll bring something fun too, or cool, I'll bring something to challenge you. And it just becomes such a second nature concept. Everybody looks down on, on tournaments saying it's all the whack players and it's all the, it really isn't. I have mm. never had more fun games that I've had in tournaments. I don't think, it's very rare that a, a pickup game in a hobby shop has been better than any of the tournament games that I've played. Simply because there's that unknown with somebody that says, "Oh, I'll play you. What have you got?" and then they go and tailor a list and come back and you're like, "Well, this isn't very much fun." Like <laughs> <Yeah>. I just <laughs> I just brought this stuff to goof around with. So, I think honestly, I think it's that that competitive mindset that you know going in that this is going to kick me in the junk and I need to be able to kick in the junk back. And mm. then it's 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 just a uh, uh, it's everything's on the table. I think that's a big big part of it. Sorry, tack, I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, no, it's um. I, I had a question in the UK when you go to tournaments, is there a best overall category and a best sportsman category? Yes. yes. Yeah, they, yeah. 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 They, they all yeah, do. Those, yeah. That, but yeah. Uh, best overall. How what? What wins you best overall?
4: Oh, I see. Um. So, uh, well, sorry. So normally it will be split into like just points from the games, and then they'll have an additional tournament that runs alongside with the, for best sportsman. That's normally, that's normally yeah. how it's played.
1: Oh, like, okay. vote for your best opponent, yeah. kind of, and then you. Um, make, yeah, make, although yeah, we, we
4: did the, do the Fun and Fluff in, in the UK, which is quite a famous tournament over here, where you, uh, yeah, they are aggregated. And so you are encouraged, and it's also aggregated with a score, which is like how fluffy your army is, which is judged independently, mm. which, which is a really interesting way of running an event, I thought.
0: Almost like a So, common. because uh, I think the BC meta. On a good year, there's about three to four charity tournaments Um, and the charity tournaments, um, they score best overall, being a composite of your sportsmanship score, your paint score and your winning record, right? Mm. So the person that walks away with the biggest prize from a tournament isn't the best general. It's the person that played the best, had the prettiest looking army and really showed their opponents a good time. And what
4: do you enter into Uh, BCP or the frontline stats?
0: uh, BCP, oh, it's it's, it's your, your overall scoring.
4: You do the overall, right? okay. Uh, no, they
0: do, they no like, sorry, sorry. For no, us, we just did tournament, yeah.
4: Yeah, it's so just a tournament score. So general can
3: take their ITC points and be happy. Right. If that's what you're there for, great. Yeah, yeah, that's what you mean. But yeah. if you're there, like, like TAC is TAC is really all about the display and the army and the coherency and the theme and the stuff that he brings to these charity tournaments is just absolutely beautiful. The last one we went to, he brought, he's like, look, I got everything on foot. And I'm like, you actually have everything on foot. This is going to be really fun. <laughs> and it was a fun, we had a fun event. I thought was actually the team event. No, that was the singles, then it was the team, but it doesn't matter. But everything is coherent and thematic, and it fits a certain um, a certain look, and it has a, an idea and a concept so when you walk up to you go oh this is an x or this is a this so that scores higher in those events but for the guy who just brings his smash mouth 1500 points i want my itc points list yeah go ahead yeah. you can have your itc points but all the guys that are getting the cool prizes and getting the pats on the back and buying drinks for them and that kind of stuff they're the guys who <laughs> spend the time to build the models yeah. to paint them properly yeah. to have a theme to them and to enjoy their games with yeah. opponents so there's still that element and there's always one or two guys that just want the points and hey that's your hobby man you play it that way yeah
4: i should but just i should really like to i should just explain yeah sorry what i said but bcp there for people that aren't familiar listening is best coast pairing it's where a lot of the uh points are tallied when you go to uh warhammer events uh, if that wasn't clear and then itc a lot again that's where a lot of the uh tournaments they you have uh, the itc tournaments the points go towards uh those points overall and that's how you become the best in faction in your country or world however however you want to do it
3: <laughs> yeah no i mean it's a silly I should, tournament I should... metric to measure <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean to be, to be fair i should i to be fair i should probably qualify what i said because i sounded well i sounded wonderfully negative and i don't like to do that um but i i think i think that that's a thing we, we do get questions from our listeners about that and i think that's a thing that I actually agree with you, Tack. I think that that and JT, both of you, that, that that is a thing that's happened weirdly more in the nominally casual games rather than in the tournaments. I mean, my experience of tournaments uh, in London has been nothing but positive. I mean, as Ed says, we have an event over here which sounds a lot like your charity tournaments called Fun and Fluff, where, as you say, you are judged on, you know, this aggregated score for your, your army, your, your overall points, and also your sort of general sportsmanship and niceness um and i've had some fantastic games there i mean we we've mentioned him before but i played a chap called jack buckley in london who uh, brought an all croot list um with a couple of like remora drones and a broadside because that he was like yeah the guy in the broadside's in charge and the rest is just croot you know and and this was when croot you know as, as they haven't for a long time are, are you know pretty, pretty pretty uncompetitive but it was an absolutely brilliant game um and even even our um the competitive tournaments i mean we've done we with the most recent one of these that that Ed and I took and and Rich took part in in London was called Winter Warfare which shockingly was actually in february of 2020 um which i don't i say shockingly because for me 2020 is the year of covid and we didn't do anything all year but i sort of looked back through my timeline and it was you know photos of us at this tournament um and we had some you know that's that's meant to be a competitive tournament but i had some amazing games there against some absolutely beautifully painted armies um there was a each demon army in particular which was gorgeous um and unfortunately i felt bad killing the lord of change um because it was just it was stunning i think it, it ended up winning the sort of best painted large miniature um so so, yeah so i think i think you're right i think tournaments get an unfair reputation um but actually when you go to them you can have some real real fun um and people go into them knowing what it's about
0: well i think um and, and why i wanted to bring up the best overall score is because i've only been playing 40k for about six seven years now and my first mm-hmm. ever tournament had that um scoring system so immediately i understood that in order to be a, a, a good player um, i needed to paint my army i needed to show my opponent a good time but i also needed to try to want to win it's not all just fun like people want to have a competitive good game with your opponent right and it was a charity tournament and actually won best overall at that tournament without understanding was... what the metric was um <laughs> because i had a painted army and because i was the new bi- new guy there everybody wanted to show me a good time so i showed up yeah. at a table and and the veterans were like. Oh, you're new to this i really want to show you a good time because i want you to be in this hobby for as long as possible right um and then that kind of set me down the path of okay well now i want to be an ambassador and jt's a good ambassador and everyone i play on is a really good ambassador of like we show up at tournaments it's not about just like stomping your opponent it's about showing them a good time it's about showing them that hey we we want to
2: put down pretty pretty models and um but we also want to win right so yeah yeah, no, that's and actually, do you know what? That's that's a really good segue because the thing I was going to ask you about next is play on tabletop, uh, and obviously you guys have have you know grown massively and 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 are very very popular and have become one of the sort of major forces in 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 sort of battle reports on YouTube and online. Um, if I may ask, where did it all begin? I mean, what what made you want to move? As you say, you've only been doing this what six seven years. What made you want to move from kind of the hobby side and tournaments into? Yep, yeah, we're going to film this. We're going to create this channel. Mm.
3: It's all tax fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> you really yeah, I
5: mean you really was, took the um,
4: scheme the the uh, the scheme uh the uh the scene by storm as as Adam says like you you I don't actually know because I don't know if you can see these things if you if you know YouTube or whatever but your growth must have been stupendous because you guys just because so so often it like youtube is quite famous for being quite a quite a hard thing to kind of get into the algorithm and whatever people call it and you guys just went straight to the top like you know relatively to the warhammer scene Exploded. So, it was incredible yeah
0: yeah we um we when we started um because it's, it's a lot of work for a lot of people right um so we kind of set some kill switches we're like oh if we don't hit these metrics these numbers by this time uh we're we're going to fold Right. Because it's a lot of work, what we do. Um, so mm. our first metric was, you know, we need to reach play on partner status in the first six months while well, we did it in the first month. Uh, just to kind of show <laughs> kind of the, the tra- trajectory of growth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, and it's, it's been like that ever since. I think JT right now we're on like we're in our year three plans in year two
3: right yeah, i think officially we uploaded march 19th of 2019 was our first one yeah. hey my birthday so yeah. we're still at the end of <laughs> we're still at the end of year two yeah this yeah. is their year three yeah nice yeah. and you're so, one of the you're
4: um, well you're you are one of the biggest in, in the world now of, for battle reports right like uh i think many wargaming cool. have been around for a very very long time but outside, outside of them it's probably you guys isn't it
3: I think it actually yeah, is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah kinda that that kind of happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, we kind of, oh. It's cool to be there. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm sure. Yeah. We're just happy the fans are digging what we're doing. Honestly, so much of the effort that we put in and so much of the stuff that we do goes, there's a lot of hope because it's like, man, I hope we, people like what we do. I hope, I hope we're doing the right thing here. And, and we spend a ton of time and effort on this stuff. Um, I mean
4: it shows (laughs) you wouldn't believe the hours
3: that TAC works like seriously Um, it's ridiculous Uh, and the hours Nick puts in and we've had to bring on a new editor because of the new stuff we're doing and Mike's doing a great job and and the getting him up to speed I mean just the entire team is so focused on making this as positive a thing as we can but really without without guys like you without our fans this doesn't happen and and we are so grateful that everybody loves what we're doing and we're going to promise to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to innovate. We're going to keep disrupting. We're going to keep changing the game um, where we have stuff coming that I am so excited about. <laughs> and some of it I can't talk about, be- but I really want to <laughs> really, <laughs> but, really JT um, though. I'm,
4: it's, it's your voice, isn't it?
3: That's, that's, that's the secret <laughs> ingredient. It's, when do you do your it's voice, like iconic
4: it voice. Me, yeah. It yeah. makes me
1: want to grab some dice and just go, fight <laughs> you, you yeah. were one of those oh, people i
4: remember bad. saying this to winters as well winters seo because we had him on and he actually didn't put his face on camera for a really long time i was so fascinated with what you looked like because you have such a uh, iconic voice and it was just like i was uh, when i first saw your face i was like that
3: it just it just fit you. I was like, that's him. <laughs> that's JT. Well, I'm 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 glad you didn't disappoint. Because it's really all about the beard. I mean, if without the beard, I I, I don't know what I sound like. I think I probably turn into a smurf. Without... <laughs> Not an ultra smurf, like a real smurf, like you know, Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf. <laughs> yeah, that would just. It would
2: it would give it a slightly different vibe, wouldn't it? <laughs> the intro would, wouldn't it? <laughs> Besides, no, but... my
3: head's really round oh <laughs> uh, well that's that's why
2: I, that's why i've got the beard as well i mean my hair's a bit long because all our barbers over here are still closed because we're still in lockdown but yeah that's why my other half is like you can never shave the beard because you, you will look a bit like a sort of you know those cherubs from the sisters of
3: battle i'll look like a cherub that's 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 the problem right and i have to avoid that <laughs> there's a reason you guys can see it and of course our listeners aren't going to be able to hear this but you guys can see the window hitting my the shine off my head there's a reason i'm always wearing a baseball hat Anytime you see me <laughs> on camera, because I there don't want to. There you wanna, go, I don't wanna, There you go, bud. There you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate the love. Yeah. See, I, got the, I got the landing pad up here now. Like I got that little. It's connected. I shaved mine the other you know, day. I mean, it's. <laughs> did you? I've I've been a few days since I've shaved mm-hmm. it, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of the benefits of getting old, I guess. I've got more hair on my back and on my chin than I do on my head.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, it's the upside down
3: head. It's a, it's a thing. <laughs> It is. It's absolutely a thing. So I'm yeah. the opposite.
4: Sometimes I think I'm the only person in Warhammer that can't grow a beard. Like I grow an incredibly poor beard if I ever try. And like, yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 we're such a bearded community. Like, <laughs> nerds you know, and there's beards. Definitely
3: something about the beards in Warhammer. Yeah. I love. Ta- right now I'm digging Tax Beard though. He hasn't had the haircut in a while either. Mm. And I, I remarked that uh, in one of our chats, just the angle that it had. I'm gonna say it, tag, uh, He kind of had this Ken Leone thing going on. Remember Ken Leone? He was always the, quote, Asian bad guy in, like, every movie. Um, Die Hard, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He had the really long hair. And Tack, if he keeps growing the hair out, he's going to have that look. I just, I totally channel Channel bad guy coming. Channel bad guy, yep. Just totally fits
0: the role. I think I already am the channel bad guy, unfortunately. Or fortunately, however however people, people want to take it.
3: Yeah, you keep beating the crap out of Steve. It's really unfair to watch. <laughs> Stop rolling sixes, Tack. Good grief. <laughs> Steve's Even... dice rolls aren't that bad. It's just Tack keeps rolling sixes like <sighs> it, like nobody's business. So, to talent.
2: So I think I think what what you need to do then in that case is you need to get Tack and you need to get Lawrence Baker from from Tabletop Tactics because he's another like constant rolling sixes. And you guys can just have a, have a battle and just see who can roll the most sixes in a single <laughs> game between you. <laughs> just see I want to track you get it to next it. time
3: <laughs> I actually want to track it the next time tax playing I want to keep track of how many times he rolls sixes <laughs> no. just just for my own edit that could be like a really cool graphic it's... you put up <laughs> yeah like tax six count yeah <laughs> i mean you think about it like in the in the two finales from last season um the Admech uh, uh warlord trait, the Pengyric progression whatever it is mm. where you get the extra hits on sixes with tax ability to roll sixes, it's like nothing standing in front of you. <laughs> doesn't matter what board you play. On. He's just you're done. Like it was, it was hard to watch. I'm like, that firepower oh, geez, is, brutal. <laughs> this is brutal. Yeah, oh,
1: it, it was so it was painful. hard
0: to do to Steve. And, and um, on that note, like because yes, I brought up fairly competitive lists. I'm kind of used to building those type of lists. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things that happened during the during us planning for the championship was everyone wasn't getting a lot of practice games in if any um i didn't get any practice games in and we all kind of just brought to the table what we wanted to play without really talking to each other so mm-hmm. nick's like i really want to play Crute, so he brought Crute. Tycho's like uh i'm almost done painting these war dogs so i want to bring a chaos knight army so i brought a chaos knight army i brought the admet because at that point that's all i had painted up to um so i literally brought what i painted and then steven decided on black templar for hmm. uh and there was a disparage of list build for that championship unfortunately um but we i think we made the most of it and steve did get a rematch um he did that we did live uh as a live test um in january so
5: nice
2: ah, cool. which is also on our I mean, youtube yes yeah, yeah. as you say we'll, we'll get the plug in now if if, if people listened thus far and you've not already watched something from play on tabletop please go to youtube check them out um the videos are amazing and as i say i said before the podcast we were going to hop on the cringe train for a while so here it comes um the videos are amazing the games are good the enthusiasm from Tac, from jt from the whole team uh, is brilliant i mean even i've had I, I know sort of when i've talked about um play on tabletop with people who've sort of maybe watched one or two episodes i think somebody obviously saw nick playing someone's like yeah they've got that guy that really loves tau doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> and it's like i've never seen somebody more enthusiastic about like yes i've got a manta with me today um it's it's amazing and and the production values and I, I was gonna i'll lead this on to what i'm gonna say next but the production values that you guys um have are absolutely brilliant i mean the level of quality in 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 your boards um you know what, what you produce is amazing i mean if, if i may ask like, how how do you do i mean how do you come up with those ideas i mean the the one i'm the one that's standing out in my mind here is the game between you uh, tack and nick with the 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 sort of like admec base in the sky i mean that was insane sky so, yeah it's crazy bad. how did you come up with that uh that's all nick
0: um well i mean uh that particular one was nick and nick talks to jt about terrain builds he talks to uh Tycho, uh about terrain builds and, and we kind of come together and we kind of just threw ideas in going like we would really like to see x right um that one in particular uh we were just editing side by side and Nick's like oh we need to plan our next game I want to bring all of my flyers I'm like I've got some flyers okay well we'll do a flying battle okay how do we do a flying battle well what if it's a sky base okay and then you kind of steamroll from there right um, so yeah it's, it's just a lot of constant collaboration constant challenging of mm. each other and that's kind of the most important thing it's like it's it would be easy for us to kind of look at our repository of terrain that we've already built, all the maps that we already have, and kind of go, okay, we're going to do a battle report today. Let's pull this and that out of the woodwork, right? Instead, the way that we tackle is we kind of look at the story first. This is a theme we want to do. This is the battle we want to play out. These are the forces we want to put on the table. What is the best setting for this? Yeah. And then if that means building from scratch, that means building from scratch. If that means pulling out train we already have, that means pulling out terrain we already have. If that means smoke machines, and if it means water effects and, and steam and what have flashing you, then lights. it means all those things, right? So, yep. flashing lights, yeah. Um, we don't like making things easy on ourselves, which is going to kill <laughs> us eventually,
2: but uh, that's how we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, man can't speak for the guys but certainly that's one thing that that stands the channel out for me when i watch it is just the level of that that level of kind of i guess passion that goes into it it shows it shows in what you produce at the end of the day i mean do you guys are you guys just sort of you you effectively as you say you scratch build you sort of just build everything yourselves or do you have sort of do you work with local clubs to kind of bring stuff in uh,
0: did you have you seen the year one ap- apocalypse battle
2: uh you know no i have not
0: Okay, so uh, that one that is a good one. by far, by far, my favorite terrain build ever that we've done on the channel. Um, and it's because I selfishly uh, fell in love with Horizon Zero Dawn, the video game. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And the oh, whole yeah, yeah. Uh, post-apocalyptic world, that, that setting. And so I approached JT and Tycho, and I'm like, we're doing an APOC game, which means the buildings can't be just regular 40K oh, buildings. Yeah. We're bringing a Warlord Titan, we're build, bring a Reaver Titan... We're bringing three Bio Titans, Tyranid Bio Titans. So <laughs> the scale was going to be massive, absolutely huge. So the train, the board had to be just as big to tell the story. So I kind of, I, I think I brought JT and Tycho over and, and we played a little bit of Horizon Zero Dawn and I was like showing them the scenery and kind of the big buildings. I'm like, I need this. Can you do this for me? Can you do it in a month?
4: <laughs> Did you, you should have brought the, uh, the other Nick on who has the the mauler fiend that looks like the watcher from horizon horizon oh, zero board. Cool that, uh, that, yeah sure. we, we we didn't know him yet all oh, right okay uh, we, uh, that, uh, we, that's we one of after, my so. favorite conversions i think yeah. i've ever seen it's, oh it's so I, I was, good also, i also love so that good. game yeah incredible model
3: yeah yeah and like when i went to town on that terrain and big props to uh, my buddy Corey laycock who, who got me with all that that's all foam core. All those buildings, uh, when you go and look at that stuff, it's all foam car. That's all like white foam board that you can buy at the pound store. Um, we ha- The stuff we have is a little bit firmer, a little bit stronger, but Tycho and I literally spent, um, oh, cripes, I guess it was a weekend roughing everything out, and then we painted it in another day, and then we spent another day flocking it, and then we added more, and we added more, and we added more. Um, the th- My favorite is the overpass. We oh, built a three piece overpass that's shattered, and we couldn't, we're looking at it going, okay, how do we make this? How do we make it look like pillars? We looked at the beverages we were drinking, and hey, those cans will work, <laughs> and those are actual um, <clears throat> beverage cans <laughs> that are holding up the, the overpasses. And then we textured it with um, this, you can buy this stuff called no-slip spray, so that you spray it on like your stairs or what have you, and it, it's like a gritty surface. That's what we textured the cans with, and then spray painted them. And that's what gives it that rough concrete pillar surface. And then we could run stuff down it and make it, and and it was just all—it's all scratch built. Like ninety percent of that stuff was literally just trash. Like it's all recycled, upcycled stuff. That's
1: amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I literally know fifty bucks. That's amazing. Do
3: you know what
2: that's? it's very it's very like in the spirit of of the sort of again thinking back to when you were saying earlier about the the deodorant can um like uh like tank from back in the day in 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 gw it's 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 you know obviously they you know there are there are companies out there that sell terrain but it is very cool when people just build you know just go out and go oh yeah i've got a lot of recycling crap here i'm just gonna build myself you know a vast imperial edifice i always think that's that's pretty awesome and there's actually a lot of um there's a lot of value i think in 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 putting effort into your terrain as well as into your models themselves, because it really kind of stands out, um, you know, when you eventually put it all together. Um, but I guess I, 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 my question I have to ask is: Do you guys have a a favorite? And maybe maybe it is that Year One um, Apoc game. But do you guys have like a favorite game on the channel? Which you would say to someone who's never seen what you guys do before, that you would say to them: Okay, watch this. This will give you a great intro into like who we are, what we're about, and and just is a fantastic game to watch.
3: That's a tough one.
2: That's a real tough They're one. They're all
3: really good. I think I know <laughs> what my favorite one is, and it's funny because I think our fans know it too. Um, I think one of my favorite games is Alex McDougall versus Tat it was our first one from Season 2. Um, that game is iconic, it's Ultramarines versus Tyranids, um, it's, well it's Gene Sealer Cults. Um, it has cool terrain, uh, Nick 3D printed a bunch of cool stuff and made it look like uh, the Viva La Revolution. Um, it was a bit of an ultramarine castle, and poor Alex had every dice roll come up short that he possibly could. Um, And he, the end of it is, I won't give it away, but it's like, you know what, I I may as well try. And and he, well, here we go. I can't say anything else because it'll wreck it. But that game shows so much of the spirit of what we were about and what playing the game's about. Tack and Alex know each other. Alex and Tack are both great players. They're both very sportsmanlike. The rolls didn't go anybody's way, but nobody was down about it. We were like, well, this is what we got to do. Let's do this. And everything went back and forth so well, um, and it looks really cool. It's a very iconic battle, and I think that's probably one of my favorites on the channel because it, it it really represents 40K, and it represents sportsmanship, and it represents play-on. It's pretty, and yeah, that's probably my favorite one, I would think. Yeah, nice.
0: um, Alex McDougall is... By and far, one of the best players in Canada, I think. Uh, he's constantly ranked high up there, if not number one in his faction uh, in ITC ranking. Um, he does very well at, uh, at major tournaments. Uh, he wins most of the ones that I attend. And um, he's, he writes for Art of War. He, he knows his stuff. And mm. for a tournament player to play the way that he did, given some of the roles that he got really shows the character that that he has and again what we want to do apart from the production value production value is there to showcase something um our terrain builds are there to showcase something and what they're there to showcase is simply that 40k is a fun game to play right we want to be ambassadors for this game and mcdougall the way that he played the way that he reacted the way that he um he talked through his strategies and what he's trying to accomplish he was really a champion uh, of just the sport of uh, Warhammer, yeah, right? And and I think that's why that that video in particular boggles our mind because it's it may now be the most watched battle report on YouTube, period. Um, yeah. It's almost, it's trending towards 600,000 views right now. Wow. Um, and yeah. it doesn't seem to be slowing down. So um, it might not be like, I, I mean, I really enjoyed that one and I enjoyed playing in that one. It's hard for me to say that, I my number one is the one I'm in, uh, but that one seems to be the one that YouTube land seems to have taken to.
1: Nice. So it's amazing to think that our That's hobby cool. has a, a a video with six hundred thousand views on it. Like we do. Who would have thought about yeah. that um, a year ago or even? Yeah, mm. it was amazing. It is. Yeah,
4: it's interesting actually. Yeah, Rich talks about that because I remember talking about to Quipster before where he was talking about how. Warhammer is, I think, he describes it as a niche within a niche, which is probably quite accurate. But like, do you see the hobby going to? Because you, you, know, sometimes I look at other, you know, things that I'm interested, in, like Star Wars or Marvel, whatever it's going to be, and you see that these, you know, obviously the, the the fandom is is just obviously bigger than for Warhammer. Do you see Warhammer getting? much bigger and if so how, you know do you have any predictions as to how big it could get like i think you know even flight like yourselves you you grew so much faster than you thought you you could do has that kind of do you think do you think do you think someone could get to a million subscribers on youtube someday a, a warhammer focused youtube channel yeah <laughs> you yeah nice. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. tack just did a big TAC a big believes. thumbs up at himself for uh, the people with <laughs> but that that i, I think yeah. it's, i think it's possible too
3: yeah i think it's actually possible too i think the direction that games workshop has gone in in the last since since the end of seventh eighth edition and now ninth edition i think their messaging has changed i think they're responding to what's happening around them i think And as far as a company they haven't been they haven't been ever been more profitable in in one of the most difficult years (laughs) for every company in the world they are one of the most profitable sure it helps that their their product is something that you can do at home yeah but they're they're really hitting all the marks they've been in the news Um, a lot over here it would be interesting (laughs) to see if they could yeah if if they can transition that if they can hit that to to the to the whole the movie world the animated world Mm. um i mean some of the video games are great I'm not a huge fan of some of the 40K app games. Um, some of them are just kind of, I mean, I get it. They license it. They're, it is what it is. I mean, that's the world of app games. But, you know, you look at Warhammer uh, Total Especially War. Now. I'm a mm. huge fan of yeah. that. Total War 2 and now Total War 3 has been announced. I've wasted so many hours playing that <laughs> game. Um, and, yeah, I, and I no say waste because I know <laughs> full well that I'm never finishing the campaign and I'm going to start a new one that's turn 300 or something. <laughs> Um, but I, I absolutely love that game. It's, they've done so well. And it should be interesting to see what happens. Can they continue that and carry that forward? I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll see Play on Tabletop on Netflix one day. I mean, that'd be pretty cool, doing our stuff there. Yeah. How cool would that be? Would you guys watch a Warhammer TV show about, you know, six guys making battle reports? I feel like I watch a TV show when I watch you. <laughs> that's the quality <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's a good question, oh, actually. Thanks, man. That's, that's do, awesome. do
4: you guys ha- ha- in terms of your background outside of Warhammer... Do you have background in editing or something? Was this, Were these skills you picked up for the channel? Or you, does any of you guys have any background in movie making or such?
0: Uh, Nick, who is our primary uh, director of photography, as well as our primary editor, or lead editor, um, he has 15, 16 years in editing, slash uh, oh, okay. the film and television industry. That explains that. Um, <laughs> that explains <laughs> that, that. Makes that, right? me feel a little bit uh, smart. <laughs> 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 um, so, and I, I personally have, um, I, I owned a creative agency for about 16 years. Uh, my personal background, my, my schooling was in broadcast communications, television. Um, so oh, cool. uh, all the kind of the branding, the graphic design, all of that, that's kind of my wheelhouse, right? Um, and then, yeah, uh, so we represent kind of the, the technical side of uh play on tabletop and then the rest kind of bring their energy their love their their passion for the hobby uh train building model making (laughs) all that kind of stuff and uh it just coalesces and it works
4: yeah
3: steve actually has um steve has a a teaching degree and i think he's got a degree in english as well and and i think drama yes it's interesting Uh, you raised that because
1: one of the first bat rap rap channels i ever watched when i was learning the game was playing on tabletop and i definitely learned a lot of how to play 40k from watching that and watching Steve, I think, because he was uh, playing, I think it was the Tyranny. Oh no, I can't remember what game it was. He was playing Marines, I think, in a very really early game. Versus Thousand Yeah, that was times, it, yeah, Thousand Sons. Yeah. And yeah. I learned so much of how to play the game from watching that. And that now makes sense to me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so
3: he, he brings that energy, which is great, because he, he explains things very well. If anybody wants to learn a game locally, he's probably one of the best people to talk to, because he explains it very, very well. Oh, I come JT, from a you're completely pretty good different background. What was that,
0: Tat? JT, you explained it pretty well, too.
3: Just uh, because I have a fourteen-year-old, <laughs> yes. so I learned how to explain things. Because I that. mean, but my my background is completely different. Um, I've, I've been in sales forever, and uh, in my late teens, early twenties, I was a professional wrestler. So oh, uh, nice. Nice. of a different background, more performance art-based kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And is that so how you guys decide who projection. gets first turn? Huh? <laughs> oh yeah, suplexes, totally suplexes. Yeah, it's all about the suplexes. The epic voice makes even more sense now. <laughs> 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 it's the ability to work the yeah. stick right yeah it's work the mic so yeah, yeah no it's You're gonna um, do ringside walks next it's a lot of fun
4: and how did you guys settle on 40 minutes because obviously that was that you know is your flagship project <laughs> i think that
3: it was 30 it was oh, it 30, was 30 TAC wasn't didn't want 40 yeah tac didn't want 40 ah. because because fours are bad luck <laughs> but like obviously yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah lots of i
4: think lots of people saw that first video and it was I remember that big 30 and I'd be like that's just you know how is that going to work because it's you know they, they were famously hours and hours long battle reports and lots of them still are and, and there's st- still a huge market people that make those battle reports obviously but yeah how, how did you guys how did you guys decide on that and and was it tough was it was it t- especially initially
0: no it wasn't tough at all um <laughs> well it was tough to kind of get the the format down but making yep. the decision was a no-brainer for us. So this kind of leads into your previous questions in that, how big can a Warhammer 40k channel get or how big can Warhammer get? And I think it's about accessibility, right? Mm. What we saw and, and it's a good thing, uh, everyone else, the, the tabletop tactics, the winters, the, uh, the mini wargaming, they do a fantastic job of presenting a game. So that's fun mm. for current players. So if you're already into Warhammer, you can easily watch those battle reports and have a lot of fun seeing an entire game kind of play out in front of you we wanted to tackle a different audience our audience was yes we wanted to entertain warhammer fans but we wanted to be accessible to new fans um and then that makes sense. if we can do that like you like um i think reza you said we look like a tv show the whole point was to be entertaining every single second had to be entertaining so how many, you know, so we said, okay, 30 minutes first, cause we can make 30 minutes of entertainment. We pushed it to 40 because 40 just made more sense. Um, but can we do 40 minutes of entertainment? Yes, absolutely we can. And if we're doing that and we're entertaining just anybody, then we become a gateway. And mm-hmm. I think that's why you see us kind of growing at the rate that we're growing because we're not just a niche within a niche. We've, we've actually said that our niche is not tabletop gamers. our niche is gaming period that's fascinating so that if if you're interested in gaming at all
2: um then you can watch our channel and be entertained Mm
4: -hmm. that's super interesting
2: yeah that's very cool and do you guys do i mean to to guess expand on on ed's question one thing that that's coming up in the community now especially with um you know the, the 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 well i say i say now i mean it's been sort of stalled by this year as everything has um but by the sort of the growth in the hobby and the growth in tournaments do you see it going down to sort of like a an esports style route in terms of the 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 big tournaments and, and is that something you guys are interested in you know in in having that sort of oversight of as well you know for, as well as from your running battle reports and producing your own content is that something you see yourselves doing uh, personally,
0: I can't do any more oversight on anything, but <laughs> um,
5: uh,
0: esports, uh, yeah, like um, uh, we want it to be that big because that just means there's more people to play with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that's, that, that's all. We, we love this community. Um, it, it's a, like, at least here, um, because of the tournament scene that, that I mentioned before and kind of this idea of sportsmanship. I can go to a hobby store and have a good time with almost anybody. I can go to a tournament and have a good time with almost anybody. So now imagine now that I'm going to tournaments of thousands of people and, and meeting thousands of people and having a good time with anybody. Like growing the community just makes sense um, selfishly because we just we want more people to play with, really. And we want those people to really enjoy playing this hobby and then passing it on to somebody else. So yeah, I, I mm. think exponential growth is definitely in the future. Can it reach eSports level? I, I think it can. Man, I love that.
3: That would be really cool. I'd love, to, I'd love to be announcing this eSports stuff. I love listening to Paul Murphy and Adam Camilleri when they do the 40k Stat Center. Both fantastic guys. Um, but to, to, to have the vision of the game, to be able to watch it like those guys do, comes from a tournament background, to know who's doing what and why, and to be able to understand, like, what I do on set is I'm listening to the game in the headset, I'm monitoring the sound levels, and I'm paying attention to rules, I'm paying attention to interactions. And if guys are making mistakes, because let's face it, we all make mistakes, this <laughs> game is really difficult. I'll be like, oh, no, hey guys, no, you got to do it this way. This is how this works. Or even if there's a question, Tack will be like, JT, what's the name, what's the weapon range on the Datalosis again? And then I'll just give him the numbers, right? Mm. And, and that way we can make sure to get it right because it's important to get it right because we have, we're a gateway. We want people to, to come to this game and we want them to see it done properly. Um, even if we all screw it up, we don't want to be having mistakes out there. Well, those guys did it this way and I'm going to do it this way. So we want to make sure that we get this right. And it's important to make sure we do it. And it's hard to study all the factions to make sure you know all the rules. And so <laughs> to take it to an eSports level, you're going to need guys who can do that. Yeah. And yeah. that's really, really hard. But I think the potential is there. I think it can happen. I, and I think it will be really cool to see it.
4: I can't wait to see 10 grand on the line when it's a nine inch charge. I just, that, <laughs> that's going to that's be a hell of a day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And he's failed the I roll. Like cr- <laughs>
3: it's, it's funny. you <laughs> it <went laughs> fail that role and there's no money on the line, you still want to go into the corner and just kick. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's, it's funny. I that, mean, you know what?
0: Yeah. Uh, if, if you're having fun, you, and it's about going, consistency. Uh, you can go to a lot of tournaments, and I think it was the 2019 season where going to tournaments actually paid for my entire hobby um just yeah. in kind of like the table raffle yeah. winnings you know mm. i don't want to encourage it because like it's it's tough to kind of reach that bar but you know it's it's almost there it's like you can kind of almost do it right and yeah like uh play on tabletop it's you know our passion for the hobby it kind of shows that if you're really into something uh you can you can make a living out of it because um you know we're at this point a legitimate business i've got people on payroll um, we've got employees now outside of just the partners. Um, play on Tabletop now has to operate like an actual studio. That's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. pretty so cool.
2: I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think we're we're you know, I mean, we're we're very much sort of like you know, day job. We do this podcast. We like to play our games. But I mean, the dream, I think, the dream, the dream for all of us is to to be in that position and seeing you guys do it. We had Adrian from Tabletop Titans on. You know, he's he's gone full time. I think fairly recently. Um, and over here in the UK, um, we spoke to Mikey from Hellstorm, and obviously he he is now running that as his as his career. And that's mm-hmm. so cool. It's 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 amazing that people can do that and actually take something that you know is your hobby. And it's not a hobby anymore. It's it's what you're passionate about and it's what you do full time. That that is the dream for so many people and to see, you know, you guys doing it so successfully I think can only be inspiring. Um, you know, and can only bring more people into into both wanting to do that specifically, but also just into the hobby generally. I mean, one thing I've said is a sort of the silver lining and there aren't many of of COVID nineteen and of of being in all this sort of lockdown and, and, and having time to paint is my God, there are going to be so many pe- brand new, painted, fully painted armies showing up at our local game stores in London and, and around the world I, in the next what, like nine, six to nine months. Whenever we can get this 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 goddamn pandemic under control, um, and you know we can go out and see people again. I I think I saw a thing the other day, and someone said, "What's the first thing you're going to do?" when uh, when you uh, when 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 you can you know succeed to say we're in the uk we're in lockdown very much at the moment but when you can actually sort of go out and see people again um my other half very tellingly went i'm gonna go to the gym and i was like i'm gonna go have a beer and play warhammer with my friends yeah, one. <laughs> um, so it just kind of yeah yeah just kind of tells you that yeah yeah it would immediately roll a one um, so yeah it just kind of tells you i think there's going to be so much um you know enthusiasm coming out yeah once 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 we get this under control um but no that's that's really cool it's really cool to hear that you guys uh, uh, you know have that that projected sort of where you want to be and where you want to get to and on that can you tell us i know you said there's there's things you you can't talk to us about and obviously we understand that but is there anything you can give us a little little tease on anything you've got coming in the future that you're you're particularly excited about at the moment
0: Uh...
3: (laughs) (laughs) we like to ask the tough questions there will be more battle reports was the announcement made already about the collaboration
2: tag yeah, uh, yes. Uh, yes, that I was going to say that that has come out over here. Certainly, we've seen that that bit. So you guys can let's you can talk about that. We can talk about the collaboration.
0: Yeah. So we've um, uh, what was really cool was uh Deployment Zone TV, which is a uh, a large channel uh, over in your side of the world. Uh, they reached out to us and they asked us um, if we could if we wanted to do a collaboration with them. Um, but what was kind of the kicker, the the big part of it, is uh, Liam and Winters both have a massive vision for the Warhammer community uh, worldwide, not just uh, not just in the UK. Um, so they presented this vision of having a place, a primary place, where people could just come together and enjoy the hobby. So uh, either on their Discord and kind of have conversations with other gamers or in this one, almost like a Netflix, where you can kind of log in and you're going to get like a whole swack of content. And so um, they reached out to us and asked us if we wanted to submit a show for uh, Deployment Zone TV. And, and we absolutely love the idea of having this place where for gamers and hobbyists to kind of come together and, and really enjoy the hobby. So we are now producing a 12-part series um, that's going to primarily be exclusively on Deployment Zone TV
2: nice yeah i think we uh, i think they they released the trailer for um that you guys put together for um DZ tv subscribers and uh yeah it 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 looks pretty epic i've got to be honest um <laughs> it looks pretty cool i'm looking forward to seeing what happens i was at the time i've been painting up uh, finishing off a little bit of my death guard army at the moment and i did quite like the sort of the nice sweeping shot of the death guard that you guys did i was like ooh this is going to be good um, so yeah oh, i think we're yeah. very excited yeah. about seeing that <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah and you know working with other uh, other guys other content creators it also pushes us it challenges us Um, so what we wanted to do was we didn't want to make another 40k and 40m period right there's no point that already exists on our channel we wanted to give people a compelling reason to kind of go somewhere else and get new content get content that they they haven't seen before so this uh, it's called uh, play on deployed because it's kind of the collaboration between the two Um, but the first um, series is called Tomb World. And it's very narrative. Um,
3: I think the name kind of gives away the, the big bad. Uh, I mean, if, you, if you watch the trailer, and if you watch the, I think it's the end of our season two, yeah. there's, a, there's a teaser right at the very end in binary. Uh, so if you put two and two together there, it, we kind of we tease and hinted oh, at wow. it for sure. But yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Nice. I just, I just did a bunch of stuff. Um, I guess it was yesterday, no, Friday. Um, just some some pickup stuff and such for the games and i gotta tell you these are fun these are so fun um (laughs) the amount of fun that the guys are having playing them and then the stuff that i get to do and the stuff that let's face it winters is involved as well Hmm. is so much fun like it's a riot um i just hope i get to use my cool necron voice more often because believe it or not (laughs) that necron voice that you hear in the trailer that's actually me Oh really? Oh, nice. That's actually my voice, man. Not edited, not touched up. That was what did me. I say? That it's the secret. Are practicing in the mirror? That was uh, no. It's just you know that's the that's the the dad voice when you're really angry. I think it's part of it. It was part of the motivation for it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just hope I get to use it more often. It was a lot of fun.
0: Uh, I need you to I... record. Get off my lawn. In that voice.
3: Get yeah. my
2: lawn. <laughs> <Lord. laughs> Like that, Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I d- I, d- I do like the idea. The Necrons are, in some ways, the sort of the the sort of the crotchety dad of the forty k universe, right? They're just totally. like they they're just like they've woken up. You've disturbed them. It's not. They're just like oh, it's, uh, tidy up after yourselves, guys. This was a nice two world when I went to bed, and now it's just now it's some horrible Mechanicum forge. Tidy up, why don't you? You know,
3: it's uh, well, and the lore behind what they do when they wake up is just the best. It's like they send the Scarabs out. It's like okay. Yeah, go do this, go do this. And it's like the stages of dad waking up on the couch mm-hmm. on a on a Sunday afternoon, right? It's like, okay, do this and then it's like, oh, open your eyes a little bit, okay, go do that and then out go the canoptic scarabs and out go the Servitor. I go out go okay, send some flight ones. Alright, send some warriors. Oh what? Now I'm up? Alright, here we go. Get the catacomb <laughs> command bar. Let's go. Give me my war scythe. Yeah. It's totally dad wake you waking dad up from a Sunday nap. It really is. <laughs> the, the, I
2: guess I, I guess you gotta the thing, J T you gotta be careful of is that you know, if if you're you said you got the fourteen year old, if they come and disturb you that you just you don't accidentally slip into characters, wake up just go, Awaken the legions just straight away. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah, there, are, there are moments. There are moments <laughs> when a voice comes in handy.
2: Yeah oh yeah <laughs> but, nice no i mean I've, I've got to admit just on 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 the sort of the lore side i've i've you can sort of I'll rotate you can sort of see the silent king hovering ominously in the background there i'm very one of cool. these people who has far too many armies and the necrons are one of them because i just think they're very cool um but i have a habit of reading the the sort of the books as they they come out around the time i'm sort of putting together the army so i recently read the infinite and the divine um the the book that they released sort of around the time the new necron army came out and i gotta admit that is very cool for people who don't know necron lore that's a really good intro to it um and there are some sort of fun details in there like they have you know operas necrons have opera but it goes on for like three thousand years because to a necron time is just sort of meaningless um and they do remember a time when it was maybe an hour or two but now they've they've added so much detail over 60 million years that it's like a 300 year long opera so you know (laughs) never complain when you have to sit through a long presentation at work because it could be worse you could be a necron
3: you could and and i'm halfway there so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, have, I have mechanical parts now. So,
0: so we, <laughs> the DZTV <laughs> thing is really cool. Um, you guys, uh, for anyone that's going to watch it, it's going to have a pretty interesting mechanism in it. Something that uh, JT kind of alluded to, um, where <laughs> there's a third player in the mix or storyteller, or we call them game masters, right? Okay. Um, so JT and Winters are game masters. Um, who preside over certain things that happen in the game that uh, two other players are playing. Um, wow. So that's going to be the, the interesting little difference um, for this series, um, and uh, I
2: think people are going to get a blast watching it. People are going to have a blast. No, I hope
3: so. I sure hope so, because we we're having a lot of fun putting it together, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome I mean I know winters like we, we, we had a chat with winters on here um just actually sort of back before Christmas and and one of the things sort of I, I always I sort of said to him about the way he does his his bat reps is just some of the like random fun elements that he adds in so there's a there's a, a good one he's done a sort of series with a guy called Sultan on the dctv TV channel um with the sort of the Imperial guard and the orcs and he had this mechanic for uh, like bombs squig bombs dropping that was just sort of him <laughs> dropping bits of paper onto the boards and they've <laughs> wherever they land it's just like okay well the bomb's gone off and half the time in a very awky way half the time they hit his own army which is quite fun <laughs> um but it's like it's stuff like that it's like adding in that element and and the the games master thing that sounds really interesting that also that also harks back in some ways to the really because the the old like the real old like rogue trader days of, of 40k it was almost more of a role you know as much a, or as much a role-playing game um as it was a, a tabletop game and i think they they published sort of uh rules for having a, a games master when you're playing the game as well so
3: it's sort really cool the original rogue trader it was yeah it absolutely yeah. was it was more character driven it was more small units almost kill team esque or necromunda-esque if you will um it was absolutely about small units nobody expected two thousand points what the heck is that like <laughs> It was literally, it was, you needed a games master to run this stuff. It was part of the, because that was also part of the whole Dungeons & Dragons thing, because Citadel, at the time, at Games Workshop, was importing all the D&D yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So it was part of that idea and that concept. And man, if you look through the Rogue Trader, aside from the cool art, which is so 1980s, it's just fantastic. But if you look at some of the rules, whew, you think Ninth edition has rules bloat? There are like 72 tables or something ridiculous to make an Inquisitor character. Yes. You have yeah. to roll percentile dice. Oh, which 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 grenades do you have, and which bolter do you get? And which, it's just nuts. <laughs> but it was part of the game. It was part was what we knew then, right? So yeah, no, definitely games mastering is is part of it, and it adds an element that you can't necessarily plan for, because we want these to be fun, and we want these. It's all thematic, and it's all part of it. So, yeah, I, I really hope people like what we're doing here, because we're having so much fun filming it.
2: I, yeah. I really want you to. I really want you to bring back uh, Obi One Sherlock Clouseau, everyone's favourite oh, oh. um, OG Inquisitor. For, for listeners who don't know, um, if you so just Google, good. do some research because uh, there is an, the the original Inquisitor actually that was named in the uh, in the Rogue Trader book. I think was uh, was a guy called Obi wan Sherlock Clouseau, which tells you a lot about it when when they were writing the the, the lore at the oh. time. They were having a lot of fun with it.
3: <laughs> the stuff that they they slid in there too. Like if you look at. Some of the pictures. I mean, my favorite is there's a two part fold out. You can probably find it online. That's a picture of everybody who worked on the book. Mm. And it's actually caricature, caricatures of all of them. And I, I just love it. One of my favorites is one of them is wearing a button that says, If you can read this, you're dead, or something to those effects. <laughs> Which I'm like, it's like How grim dark is that? Then she's like, Not smile. It's no. If you can read this, you're dead. Like, wow, <laughs> that's really dark, guys. And of course, 13, 14 year old me was like, That's so cool. I want one of those, right? But no, nice. it, no, it's, yeah. Uh, it's such a cool system. It's such a great game. We're just, we're just so excited and happy that we're bringing this to everybody. So,
0: Well, it's especially like um, this one, again, kind of talking about the future of Warhammer, kind of maybe video content or social media content or just content in general. Uh, DZTV, uh, Liam and Winters, they're paying for the show. This is uh, one content creator actually paying another content creator uh, to create content. Right. And we're building an entire industry. They're helping kind of lead this idea of this being an actual entertainment industry. And um, what was really humbling for us is they they know that we're just starting out. They know that we're fairly small. They've been doing this for like 10 years or something like that. Um, And they asked us how they could help us expedite our growth because they they wanted it seemed like they they really genuinely wanted to see us grow. so I kind of talked to them and we said this and that. And they're like, okay, we'll buy 12 episodes from you. And in doing that, they helped us hire another editor and kind of expedite, not just the show that we're producing for them, but just the, sh- the, the studio in general, right? Mm. Um, and then hopefully, you know, um, we get big enough um, where we can do the same in turn. And this becomes like a kind of a, a ecosystem of content creators Really looking at what what's needed in the marketplace and, and feeding fans what they want to see and in turn feeding each other
3: yeah. building that global community yeah yeah that's awesome mm. yeah.
2: No, it's, it no, it's really cool and i think i think the the um, certainly the reaction i saw on the on the dztv discord was was overwhelmingly a sort of excitement um for this for this to sort of come out and uh, the the rest was just like ooh what's what's going on there what's that all about you know to the to the to the necrons and the sort of the the the, the background so yeah I, I i look i look forward to seeing it and uh, for listeners who who um, aren't already part of dztv um you know go and go and have a look at their channel cuz uh, this stuff is going to be appearing and play on to- Play on Deployed, to give it its proper name, um, is going to be appearing uh, on on DZTV uh, exclusively. So you can go and check that out there. Um, Cool. So I think on that then, let's turn a little bit back to the game and the rules and in particular let's jt let's start with you because very recently as i mentioned earlier you had a little dracari list um which happened to be in a a small tournament that you know wasn't watched little by one, yeah. that many people except thousands of them uh, online <laughs> um and happened to go all the way to the final um where it went up against um tank from hellstorm, War- hellstorm wargaming's Custode's sister's soup shield festival wall. shield yeah. wall hashtag shield yeah. wall i know if, if yeah. mikey is listening i know he'll he'll like that he's loving the yeah, hashtag sure. shield wall um so if if we may ask then what was for those who haven't seen it what was in your dark elder list and how did it work what was the sort of theory behind it and, and what you were trying to go for
3: um i'm a I played dark elder Jukari for forever um absolutely my favorite army and when the guys from las vegas Open came to us they said put together a list that you would play if you were going to the las vegas open so that's what i did it is an evolution of a, of a list that i've been playing for some time I've, I've swapped some parts in and out of it um but it's the the standard dark eldar triple patrol which is what we're we're forced to play right now until we have a new book um because at least that way you can get the stuff you need because you can't do it with a battalion because of the the weird intricacies of the codex but the patrols were a blackheart uh, patrol and then two dark technomancer and um uh, master of Mutagen's patrols. Um, so what effectively the list does is it scores, um, and that's what it was meant for. So I started from the back forward. I knew I wanted Ravagers. I knew that I wanted um, Reapers. Um, I knew that I wanted um, stuff that if you poked your head out, I could hurt you with it. So so they, they were definitely going to be in the list. So we started with scoring, and that's the Court of the Archon in the Blackheart Patrol. So it was two Medusa and a Lamian, which are single model infantry non-character, which can get you line break, which can do... They're, they're action monkeys is what they are. They're, they're there just to score you points. I figured that I could score line breaker three times and I could score deploy scramblers. So I knew I had 22 points in secondaries every game that I could rely on. Um, then, of course, the Archon had to be in there as well. And he's literally just a babysitter for the Ravagers. So he's got the, the Riddle Living Muse. Um, he's got Labyrinthine cunning, so he can regen me command points, and he parks next to the Ravagers for the entire game. He's got a Power Sword and a Blast Pistol, the Blast Pistol because I had five points, and the Ravagers with the Disintegrator cannons. They're just there to chew through any Marines that come walking up the board. They're a standard in Most Dark Elder lists because they're really good, even at the point level that they're at. They're just solid. That and a squad of Cabalites to round that out. Again, Cabalites are, are action monkeys at 40 points for five models. They can do a little bit of work, they can come in and get you a line break, they can do whatever they need to, and, and you can, I usually would put the court and the cabal of uh, the uh, troopers into re- strategic reserve and walk them on from a board edge for a single command point. So they were always going to be a threat. Um, I also had two squads of Scourges uh, with four blasters in each because blasters dropped to 10 points, and then I had uh, two squads of Mandrakes, which again, the Mortal Wound output, their capabilities fantastic, which gave me eight deep strikes in the list which is a lot for people to deal with. You don't see it coming. Um, and because they're so cheap, I could I could even afford to put more in if I needed to. But the real workhorse of the list were my Reapers. Uh, the Dark Technomancer Master Mutagens lets me overcharge my shooting. So I get plus one to damage and plus one to wound. And then the um, the Master Mutagens is any six to hit with a poison weapon automatically wound. So I don't actually have to roll. So five Venoms with five Rack Squads with five Hex Rifle Sniper Rifles, Means that I can shoot you from thirty-six inches away and potentially do mortal wounds on a five for AP one-two damage with each one of the racks. Um, so that five times, and then the two homunculi electro whip, which is probably the best close combat drukari weapon I think, uh, and a hex rifle again. One of the hex, one of the homunculus was a beat stick, so if I needed something. Um, Nightmare Doll for a 4-Up Female Pain, and then the Master of Regenesis to heal D3 wounds a turn, just if I needed to tie something up, that's a model that can actually hold her own for a while, Um, and that's basically the gist of the list. The idea was simple, Um, poke your head out, and I'm going to shoot it off your shoulders. And that's what the Reapers do. Um, in the Dark Techno-Man, so the Reapers are absolutely amazing. I've seen so many people asking for Dark Reapers on forums and such, or for the Reapers, um, just because they worked so well in the list that um, people wanting to buy, rebuy them, Forge was out of stock. People wanting to trade for them. I'm like, I should get a cut from Forge World on these things, man, because they did such work in my list. But the list was just designed from the back out to score, and that's what it did. You can see it against Steve. The moment I had second turn, um, I knew that I had a shot. And with those sniper rifles, when his apothecary went down, that was game. I knew I had it at that point because he's not bringing anything back. He's not saving anything. So it just doubled the efficacy of my shooting at that point because he's not going to resist this. And it, it worked. It worked really, really well. So that, that's the gist of the list, and it's, it's, it's purely about scoring, scoring as fast as you can
2: nice yeah i i think i think the, it's, it's interesting because i've i was looking um at the the like when goonhammer did their sort of rundown of, of your list and and their comparisons it's quite interesting right that they they immediately they went oh it's the first time we've had a unanimous decision yeah we think the ultramarines are going to take this one um, just because of where dracori you know d- despite the sort of the intricacies of this just because of where dracori is sitting i guess in the meta um right now so i think it was really nice to see a, a list that maybe or an army i should say that maybe people weren't expecting to do quite as well you know not only to just progress beyond the first round but to go all the way to the final and you know yeah. looking at this i mean i've got the scores in front of me here i mean you, you were what 69 65 in the first game 92
3: 52 in the in this in the second game and 74 63 was... i mean they're pretty con- pretty convincing yeah. Well, the, the second one's a bit of a misnomer. Um, that list that TJ Lanigan put together is incredibly difficult to pilot if you're unfamiliar with it. And and literally, we had 25 minutes notice that that's what we were getting. We knew wow, what the okay. list beforehand. We knew what the lists were. We knew what the potential ones were. It was a salamanders list or it was that demon monster mash. Um, and I honestly thought that I was going to lose the first round because Ultramarines are that dead hard. Um, things had to go right the way that, <laughs> that they had to. And, and I felt bad for Steve, actually, when Goonhammer said it's unanimous. I'm like... Steve and I have played so much, and we've played so many games together. He knows how I play, and he knows not to count me out. And I know the same about him. Never count him out because he's a good player. Mm. And honestly, had he not taken Oath of Moment as a secondary, I think that game goes completely different um, because I was able to manipulate his scoring with some key moments and key moves and such that he couldn't get all his oath moment points. And he didn't want to hold middle with, with an Ultramarine list. He needed to pressure me with his list. And I think that was a bit of a mistake on his part. He would probably agree with that, 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 that oath moment was not the best choice. But the second game, that Monster match list, Morty, Magnus, and the Super Chicken. Not the Atalus, Corexus, or whatever, but just a, a, a Lord of Change with um, all the upgrades. Um, hard list to play. Hmm. Really, really hard list to play. Nobody realizes actually how well-positioned Drukari are to take that list out. Because Poison does not care if you're Toughness 8. It really mm. doesn't. The biggest threat in that list is actually Magnus. It's not Mortarian. Mortarian's going to charge in, he's going to kill a unit or two, and then he's got to go off and do it again. And if you're running away from him on a table, which is that hammered anvil long table length, Mortarian is never going to get close enough to really be a threat. The, the chicken can. I mean, it can get some work, but that's target number two. Mathematically, even if more ter- even if Magnus has a three-up save up, which he did, uh, that Steve had up, mathematically, my Venom's actually kill Magnus with Dark Technomancer's overcharging two damage shots and the ballistic skill minus the wounding always on fours. They actually they kill Magnus on their own mathematically. Wow. So. It's actually statistically the best list to match up against, up against that list. Now, if TJ's playing it, there's no way I score 92 points. Absolutely not. TJ, had, his list is incredibly difficult to pilot. However, that's one of the things about this event that was so unique. Yeah. My list was built to score and was fairly easy to pick up, even if you didn't know the subtleties. TJ's list was not. You needed to do all the psychic powers in exactly the right order and exactly the right way. And if you didn't, you were putting yourself on the back foot immediately. Um, and that was really, really hard. By the time he hit round three, though, it was Brian Pullen from Tabletop Titan- or Tabletop Titans, and he he didn't really know the the intricacies of the list. you Chukari. but he knew how to score <laughs> and he did it, yeah. Yeah. and he did it. And the best, probably the best vect on the internet ever, stopping the Repentia from moving and ch- from being able to move, advance, and charge, yeah. uh, was such a great moment that just, and you could see Adrian's face go, haw. Oh. What happened? (laughs) And Steve did the same thing. You saw that in the first game. You can watch as we're tallying up the score, I asked for a score check. You can watch Steve realize that, holy crap, he's actually going to pull this out. I'm going to lose this because it was that close a game. And Mm. I had the one little rack advance that makes it onto the objective. And and that was the bare minimum I needed to do to win it. There were other ways to do it. And the same, you know, Brian didn't need that vect, but it just made sure that this is guaranteed. This is the way the game's going to end. So. It was really, really cool to watch. And then by the time uh, Nick got a hold of the list, and they had to scramble because it looked like it was going to be sisters versus sisters. Um, by the time Nick got a hold of the list and they got their stuff up, um, we're gonna, I, I affectionately call him Nick no, Nick no Scrambler Nanavati, because how do you not score Deploy Scramblers with my list? Like, it just doesn't <laughs> happen. Okay. Uh, but it came down to literally one custode not dying. Um, at one custode not dying on an objective, um, a re-roll because um, John wasn't sure about John Lennon, his opponent, wasn't sure about what the actual leadership was on the squad, hmm. and then spent two command points to auto-pass it um, Now, had he vected that then John would have had to roll again, and I think on a five or six he fails um, So it's possible that that vet could, could have won in the game, but that single one wound custode or two wound custode went on the rest of the game to just wreck everything, and it's like I yeah. ju- I was talking to Nick, he's like, I couldn't kill that stupid custode <laughs> and That's really what the game came down to. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch uh, a subpar codex, as they say, but with a list designed to score the way ninth works, um, do as well as it did. Um, I was super pleased to have Brian and Nick play it. It was really quite a treat for me to watch that. But that's the key, is, is it doesn't matter how bad your codex is, if you build to score in ninth and, and keep that in mind, never stop, just keep scoring, just keep driving, just keep going, you're you're gonna win your games. Um, even if you have a quote crap to your codex. I mean nobody nobody expected the Drukari. Grey Knights mm-hmm. did alright as but well, well like didn't Spanish Inquisition. they? Like Grey Knights got pretty far in as well and, they, and their codex
1: isn't they've even got two wounds yet and I think they progressed, right? Am I, am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah I think they got they made to the, it the second round,
3: yeah. 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 They they did I, th- well I think it was glass. And hammer I picked the Orc they list were, to win. They? I think yeah. you're right, yeah. I think it uh,
2: was glass. No, no it was uh, so I think I think Grey Knights was, was down under uh, war down under no i th- sorry Eric, think I, think. They, they oh. I think it was glass hammer they they lost
4: to i think it was oh tanks sorry list. yeah yeah the, the tanks list yeah it was yeah. yeah it
2: was tanks list yeah in the semis yeah it's uh yeah i mean it i, I think it was i thought it was fa- as you say i thought it was fascinating yeah. to see to see the dracari go that far like and we're, i mean we we watched the games um obviously time time zone allowing we watched the games um so it was uh, and i remember staying up and watching watching the end of the final i just thought it was it was great to see that because again it I, it I i mean two things i'll say on that i think first of all it's just good to see as you say a subpar in quotes um codex that can clearly go up against what is supposed to be the top of the meta you know obviously the you know as you say some of the lists there like like tj's um you know mixed list was was you know very hard very specific to him um but to see them progress that far and and the second thing is about list design i think it's interesting that it does raise this question right of the the list is it better to craft a list that just is designed to go out and do what ninth does right in in anybody's hands or is it better to build something that you as an individual player i mean i suppose it's a unique situation because you know in every tournament it's going to be you you're not going to be passing it to someone else like here (laughs) But if you're if you're you know like like as you say TJ's list works really well when T J is playing it and I know some people yeah. were, were talking about like Richard Siegler's Necron list when when you know when Mikey was playing the 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 Necron game on Hellstorm some people were like you know oh the the list works amazingly but it's a very hard list to play but richard siegler is great at that and it's designed to work for him so it's it, it, i thought it was just it brought out like an interesting dynamic in list design because yours very clearly as you say was designed to go out and just do what needs to be done to win and it you know it doesn't matter if you don't know the army down to the sort of absolute minutiae you can still play it and you can still win
3: mm. which i thought was cool it's, it's how i build most of my list because yeah. i'm old and forget things and if the easier it is to play, <laughs> yeah, the easier it is to play, the easier it is to win with, right? But that's the key with Trakari as well. Is I have so much other stuff I have to think about when I'm playing against like top, like Admech just gives, just devastates me. So hard to play against, and on so many Marine lists are so hard to play against. That having the backup of knowing that okay, I've got scramblers, I'm gonna get at least eight to twelve points on line break, possibly fifteen if I can pull it off, and then whatever third one I go with, hopefully I can get eight. That means I've got 30 points in secondaries, plus I'm painted is 40 points. All I have to do now is primary. Can I score 35 points, or can I even get up to that magic 45? I think I can get to 40, especially if I'm going last, because that turn five turns, that turn five change made a huge difference for me. Um, that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I won the round three that Brian played, and why I run one round one because I was able to score in the bottom of the turn. And Drukari mm-hmm. are fast. So you can get to those objectives, and there's enough firepower left at the end of the game in my game against Steve that I could blow them off the objectives I needed to and get to where I needed to score. So I know that I'm going to have 75 to 80 points a game. Now where do I find that other 10 to 15 that I might need to win? And if I can hold my opponent under 80, knowing that I can get to 75 80, now I'm going to win the game. And that's really the way the list was designed and the way it worked. So it was fortunate that it was easy to play that way for, for Brian and for Nick. Um, but it's part of the fact that, quite frankly, I, I can't remember half my damn rules anyway. So it's just a benefit to have something easy to play.
4: Yeah, that's that's super common. And in fact, I think that's something that it would be good to hear you um, maybe explain a bit further for people that are really new to the game, because you often hear this combo of people building their lists around deploy scramblers and engage on all fronts. So can you just explain to people that like you know maybe have really struggled with their armies, like similar to Jukari or old Codexes? So what can you do? To what are those secondary first of all, I guess, and and how can you play into them?
3: Um, Deploy Scramblers is probably one of my favorites. Um, It requires you to take an action with a non-character infantry unit in three sections of the board. So you have to do it in your own zone. You have to do it in no man's land, so six inches away from either deployment zone, and you have to do it in your opponent's zone. You can do it any time, but of course, doing an action precludes you from doing anything else. However, it's only worth ten points. It's fairly easy to get, but it's a ten points that can pretty much guarantee with most armies to get that. Uh, walking on from a table edge and coming into your opponent's deployment zone on turn three, it's pretty easy to get 10 points or find a spot that's nine inches away from, from an opposing unit. So that's that's why it's most common. A lot of people like to take engage on all fronts. I personally hate it. Um, I think <laughs> it makes you stick your head out and makes you move into places where you might not want to. And it's why I didn't take it at all in my, any of my games. In the game three, Brian did, because the table made sense and that, that deployment, that, that mission, it made sense. But I actually don't like taking it simply because I don't want to have to move into a table quarter to get points. And engaging in all fronts is having a unit in three quarters gets you two points per turn, and then having it in all four gets you three points. So the potential is there to get 15 points if you've got a lot of units spread around the table. Um, but I find that oftentimes you end up forcing yourself to move to get points, and I would rather kill opponents to get points or do an action in my zone to get points. And that's why Linebreaker for me was at four points every time you get it, and it's at the end of your turn not the end of player turn the fact that i can walk onto a board edge or deep strike with the units that i have and just have them there they don't have to do anything they just have to be there in my opponent's deployment zone oftentimes by turn two three and four your opponent is pressing forward which leaves gaps in their back line so if you can clear and you can see in my game against steve on our channel he had units on the left flank that i shot clear and cleared a spot where i could just start putting models into his deployment zone and then make him come at me, make him come across to go get them. And if he doesn't, I score four points. And that's a big spread. When you start tallying that up, you only need four turns of linebreaker to score 15. That was a big, big deal for me. So those were the two that I figured I can reliably get every turn. Um, Engage again, yeah, I don't like engage at all (laughs) because it makes you poke your head out. But if you're playing like a Necron horde, and you know you're walking towards your enemy, you know you're going to have units in all four quarters every single turn. It kind of makes sense. So when you pick your secondaries and build your list, you need to be mindful of how it is you want to play, and how it is you're going to get those secondaries. Because if you start from the back forward, in eighth and in seventh and sixth whatever edition i want the big giant unit that kills the crap out of everything with all the guns and all the shooting and all the dice and then you got to come kill that well that doesn't matter at ninth. i mean if you look at all of my games all the games that i won i got pretty much tabled There was next to no models left with the exception of maybe game two but all of those games i'm losing models left right and center but i'm winning the game on points and that's all that matters in night it doesn't matter how many models you lose it matters how many points you score so build your list to score your points it's a different way to look at the game and i love how much more dynamic it is because it makes you think about trading up and trading off and sometimes you trade down simply because it's costing your opponent three points and you're gaining three points you're actually it's a net six point swing now you got to figure out how do i get that other two back or how do i make this unit do that so um, it's, it's a big difference in ninth edition from eighth edition for sure. And, and, and I highly suggest start with secondaries out. It's the best way to build a list right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's I think to to add to that in terms of talking about grabbing the, the secondaries, it's interesting with your list as well. You mentioned you had the Lemian and the two Medusae um, in the in the court of the Archon. One thing I think we've seen in Ninth more is the rise of and, and forgive me for using this word, but the rise of kind of crap units, right, that people don't normally take that are super cheap. I mean, the the classic one I, I can think of, I say classic, it's relatively new that people are talking about this a lot, but it's the Lictor for the tyranids mm-hmm. because it's a unit that you can sort of deep strike in stick in some terrain it gets a bonus and it will get you that line breaker it will get you that deploy scramblers um and it, it, it's it, do you think that's something that we're going to see more of in a, in a wider range of armies of people looking at units that you know back in eighth they would have just gone there is no way i'm even going to bother spending 20 po- even if this is cheap i'm not going to spend the you know my points on it because it's not worth it do you think we're going to see more of that
3: now i hope so um, I think it's good for the game. I think seeing the different models, like we talked about way back at the beginning, I never get to, you never get to play against a Brass Scorpion because nobody wants to bring it. Well, maybe mm. now in 9th edition, the Brass Scorpion has value. The Brass Scorpion with a couple of small squads of bloodletters, or even in Chaos, what is it? The, um, the Chaos Spawn. Those are great units. Why? Because they're like 23, 24 points or something, and they just do stuff. <laughs> there's there's just holding yeah. chaos bot up to the camera nice out <laughs> but it's exactly it like i love seeing and who doesn't want to play against cool different stuff i mean seeing the same meta lists all the time oh boy look it's a gun line there comes lehman russ oh what do i do like it's kind of boring to play against it's just throwing dice at each other it's one of the one of the knocks that tau get is the lists are always structured the same and it's literally just throwing buckets and buckets of dice at your opponent until they just quit and, and there's there's a logic to that. It does make <laughs> sense to do that. But it also, as a player on the other side of the table, it just gets boring. Mm. Um, and not knocking Tau. I think it's a cool faction. I think there's some cool stuff. I'm, I I love the way Nick plays his Tau, and I think Tau are a really cool army. But there's a certain meta list that exists that is just literally throwing as many dice at your opponent until they cave. And that's not as much fun to play against. So seeing Crute seeing Riders, seeing talk seeing Vespit in, in a Tau list, or, or seeing, you know, who, who plays like with, with, uh, uh, the, with a Gretchen and the uh, Runt Herd? Seeing an actual Runt Herd on the table, like nobody wants to take them, but hey, he's a pretty cool little character that can actually do some neat stuff. Um, seeing those cool little things come up are, are fun to play against, and I think you will see more of them. And I think as lists get more creative and players start to find ways to to maximize their lists, and because we don't have a lot of events to drive that, but Mm. to maximize your point value and your point effectiveness, because ninth is all about that trade-up, and right now Sisters do it absolutely the best. Sisters trade-up in points so good. There's literally, I don't think Terminators can even stand up to a squad of Repentia. It's disgusting. And Repentia (laughs) are cheap. I mean, maybe Dark Angels, Terminators? Maybe? Maybe? (laughs) But yeah, but that (laughs) trade-up is so good with Sisters right now. I think you're going to find more people looking for that.
2: I've got I've got a sister's army and Ed's got his Dark Angels, so we'll have to go put get the Deathwing out and put that put that <laughs> one to the test. See oh, stream see, the game. JT needs to, to announce. I want to it. <laughs> how that works. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, totally, yeah. I'll be there. I'm done. I'm in yeah well you, you bought vespid recently didn't you ed because ed Ed's a, as i say sorry I, I should have maybe done a bit more of an introduction i've got every army under the bloody sun because i'm a i'm a, a a bit of a you know i collect i just collect what i like and paint what i like and then go move on to something new um but ed has uh has tau has dark angels and has an amazing gene stealer cult army wait what's um, wrong with my and d- dark
4: angels <laughs> <laughs> why why? <laughs> <laughs> like, What happened? The
2: the 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 jeans the I got much a lot on the podcast. The fine. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call them out because they are just they're farm themed and that is cool and it's nice to see. There's a different you know rather than yeah. just the mining stuff. You've you've really themed that on me. But yeah, you've got you've got your tower. Didn't you buy Vespid recently? I did so buy you Vespid. Use them like this?
4: Uh, yeah. Pu- exactly as you know you say adam with this kind of the the rise of these kind of small units so a squad of vespid is, is like i think it's 44 points for four they come in a min size of four which is quite rare but yeah you know exactly for that just because um yeah i, I don't actually mind the models but yeah also just in terms of play if you want to do just deploy scramblers or linebreaker or engagement front that's why you want them i think also the other thing i would um add on is that gw have also removed some of the penalties for some units so in particular um uh bring it down was, was was something that would really hurt some units so in fact just i can't even talk about, not just talk about my factions but piranhas for example are one of those units yeah. that have, i mean in itc as well in eighth edition you know it was like oh you will now give up gangbusters for max points if you take any piranhas uh so yeah it's, it's nice to have those kind of restrictions removed and you know and it, we talked about this before i think on the podcast where competitive play is like you know about min maxing and stuff but competitive players still want to see uh, a variety of stuff as you say jt and they still want lists to be narratively focused so it's really cool that the game is is hopefully it is, you know, looks like it's pushing us in that direction now
3: yeah yeah it is really cool it's one of the things we always look for at play on tabletop we, we talk about it in our core values it's find the fun we always yeah. try to find the fun um, and I love my Medusa. I was asked why I put Medusa in the list because other stuff's cheaper. I like the models. I I made these <laughs> custom models from an old D and D model, and I painted them different, and I I think they look cool, so they're in the list. Sure, something's cheaper, but I like them. They look cool, so that's why they're there. And, and, but it, it's that's what it's all about: is find the fun, right?
2: They always they always remind me the uh, the the GW models. They always remind me of um, there's a there's a this this is I guess it's dating me, although it's not way back in the history of it but there's like a doctor who episode from like one of the series in the early 2000s two- or like the mid 2000s whenever it was it sort of came back i think it's one of the tenant ones where like a dalek sort of merges with a human uh, in in like 1930s new york and he has this kind of brain thing on top of his head and all the oh, little tentacles yeah. and he looks yes, he looks like yes. a Medu- every time i see the medusa model i'm like that's that dalek <laughs> guy from that one doctor who episode i watched <laughs> when Next i was about 13 <laughs> or 14 or something yeah exactly yeah it's uh yeah it's it's yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool um but you know what that that the find the fun point that's really i think that's a really good one uh, to move on to what i wanted to ask you next which is obviously we have the dark eldar codex coming out hopefully relatively shortly um and one thing we've seen in the Codexes thus far certainly i think our impression of of you know the necrons the the death guard and the the dark angels and obviously all the other supplements the blood angels has been them building some of that fluff into the competitive way the army works i mean whether it's the Deathwing and the Ravenwing and the dark angels whether it's the floor and the death company and the blood angels um or obviously the necrons the sort of various um uh, mechanics they have the sort of the court of the uh of of, of the um I was about to say court of the archon i'm now forgetting what's the name uh Pharaon, there we go the sort of court, court of the, the Pharaon, yeah. um and the way their armies work do, do, what what are you you know do, and we love a bit of wild speculation on this podcast what are you looking forward to or what do you what would you love to see in the drakari codex uh, that is due to come out
3: um you know I, i'm not a fan of the mercenary rule right now like the mandrakes and incubi and uh, Scourges don't get any Obsession bonuses or such. I, Incubi are actually better as Unari right now, which I think is silly that they're better in a different army. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, while speculation, you know, I'd love to see some better HQ choices. I would love to see an Ezdrabile Vect model. I would love to see a Supreme <laughs> Commander from the Dark Eldar. And I don't need a giant... Um, you know, Silent King-like model. Though that would be cool to have a giant <laughs> command barge. Don't get me wrong. That would be amazing. Um, but I would love to have a full Vect model. Like, like to have something that would affect the tabletop. Just, I mean, maybe, maybe the Vect stratagem goes away, but if you have Vect, he can just do it. Like, just once a turn or once a game, he can go, nope, you're not doing that. And that would be really, really cool. With no roll, with no nothing, it's just his ability once per game, he can deny a stratagem. Mm. Um, That would be amazing. But he's going to be like a 400-point model, right? The thing with Dark Elder is always about the piratical raids. They're always about the speed. They're always about the ability to hit fast, to take slaves. I think there would be a cool mechanic for that, too, that you actually demoralize your opponent's army. I think that would be wild, (laughs) to have an ability to just instead of actually killing your opponent's models um, you know you're you're demoralizing them you're making them run away you're you're catching them you're the old days of the old uh, the, the snares and the nets and stuff where you could just pick up d3 models from a unit when you flew over it um, stuff like and that would a be squad. Really, really cool <laughs> yeah i mean it would be a blast to have like a dedicated squad of bikes or something that just can nets can snare us squad i mean there's so many cool things they can go cuz they've done such great jobs with the last few books where you've got these neat mechanics that work specifically for the army i'm really intrigued to see what happens with dark eldar because mm. let's face it the combat drugs and the power from pain was kind of the test bed for a lot of this stuff i want to see how they expand that i want to see how that gets better and that's what i'm excited for like i'm giddy i've been going on about two damage splinter cannons for days now and four <laughs> up armor on cabalites so I'm, I'm, I'm literally giddy we have armor that makes sense. Like, yay, we can actually make a save. It's great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and is there, I mean, do, do you think, is there anything where you sort of think, um, you know, if GW, like, like let's say, if, if they do bring out like a brand new uh, Vect model, is there anything that you're going to just rush out immediately, you know, and go, right, grab that, put it straight in my army,
3: change my list up? Oh, I I'd Vect would be in there for sure. He's the OG. <laughs> I mean, if if there's a Vect model, oh yeah, he's coming for sure. If he's not playing in the army, he's on every display board I'm ever gonna have. I mean, come on, he's the he's the gangster. He's the he's far and away one of my favorite characters in 40k, um, because he 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 rose to power literally um, on his own ability. And that, mm-hmm. granted, his ability was to backstab it, to poison and to kill, <laughs> which is not not the way to get ahead in the corporate world, kids. But <laughs> depends <laughs> for some, maybe it is. Um, but you know, Vect is the Vect is the OG, and I love him. So, yeah, if he comes out, I grab him in a heartbeat. If um, any of the old name characters, Lady Malice, Duke Sliskus, Baron Sathonix if any of these show up, oh yeah, they're I'm grabbing those without without a word of a lie, absolutely
2: cool yeah i know i know i mean one thing uh, obviously we we watch um you know a lot of tabletop tactics as well and, and lawrence the spider himself is obviously a quite a big Trakari player as well and he sort of has the the lore around his uh spider who is the archon and his like son i think it is who's the the dracon who is like a sort of lieutenant character i mean maybe they'll maybe yeah. they'll they'll bring 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 back dracons because they, br- they bring back the sister palatine i should say for the sisters um they've announced this sort of lieutenant character the palatine who was in like one of the really old i think the original maybe second i mean it's before my time but maybe second edition sisters codex was Valentine's, when it yeah, was or like yeah. witch hunter yeah they they were like in there and they've they've brought those back so who knows maybe maybe they will bring them back um i think cool. yeah yeah i think i think on that on that sort of changes to supplement front i mean tack if i if i could ask you as well obviously as, as an ultramarines player the ultramarines got their supplement you know back in eighth and presumably will at some point although it is probably a bit further in the future get one for ninth is there anything um and you said obviously you know you're not you're driven more by sort of the 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 aesthetics of the army and what they look like is there anything that you would want to see get added in to the ultramarines anything you think they're missing that would be cool to have in your army
0: uh i'm gonna say no because the space Marines already get enough love like if you Uh, look at all
2: the (laughs) right i like that that's that's that people are gonna love you for that answer (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Um, Okay. Okay. So, on that, then, I think let's um, move on to something that we do on this podcast very occasionally, which is um, Richard is our master of game shows. So, Rich, I'm going to turn over to you and we will insert game show music here.
1: I feel like we should call it like Richard Silly Corner or something. Right, so. Um, no, this is, this is very serious. <laughs> You've got like a spangly jacket and everything. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's put a picture of me on Instagram of that one or something. Right. So inspired from uh, your 40k in 40 minutes and also from the success of our last sales pitch, I want you guys to describe your favorite miniature in 40 seconds. Now, I'm going to be savage with this. I will cut you off bang on the 40 seconds <laughs> uh, and it also gives our chance for our audience or our one listener to uh, tell us how um, <laughs> tell us who was the best pitch but also if you the, the audience can also tag us maybe in their favorite picture of their miniature or something so it might be quite cool right so is everybody ready i'm gonna take the silence as a yes uh, i'm, as, as I <laughs> I'm a getting bit. my timer ready sorry <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> nice right so i'm just gonna call a name out I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna go here. So three, two, one, Ed, go! So, my favorite
4: favorite model is the Cold Star Battlesuit. We've talked about how Tau this incredibly awesome army today. And if you want to play Tau, you want to play the Cold Star Battlesuit with fusion blades. That's what you want to play. He is a model that moves 20 inches a turn. He can move another 20 if he wants. He's the only model in the game with actual lightsabers. You want this model. In terms of building models, he's also probably one of the most fun to build ever. He is such an incredible kit. You, you can move put his arms in whatever position you want. You can put him in a superhero pose. That's technically modeling for advantage, but we'll push that aside. <laughs> and you, he's an incredibly fun model to build and paint. He's got these awesome, uh, thank things. you, Ed.
1: Okay. Oh, <laughs> thank you, very good pitch. I do, I do like the cold star <laughs> battle suit. And I've reset now. Who, oh, I wonder who I'm going to go for next. Three, two, one, tack, go. Uh. Redemptor Dreadnought. The Redemptor Dreadnought, finally,
0: in the Space Marine Universe is a big, massive war machine that's just lumbering across the battlefield. Um, It has guns. It also has fists, which is uh, interesting for a Dreadnought because it can do its work in close combat. It can do its work in range. Um, It's incredible to paint. It's incredible sculpt. Lots of surface area. If you're an airbrusher, it's an airbrusher's dream. Um, Beautiful, beautiful model. Um, and uh, I'd love to see more people do more epic uh,
1: narrative posing with it because it's a posable model as well. Brilliant! Stop with time to spare as well. Thank you, Tag. Also, interestingly, two battle suits, kind of. Yeah, good. Ed, um, Adam, you look really happy. So three, two, one,
2: Adam, Go! <laughs> uh okay so my favorite model in 40 ki am gonna have to go mainly because i'm painting death guard at the moment with the sassy nurgling now why do i like the sassy nurgling well quite simple he's a nurgling and he's sassy nurglings are cool they're happy little dudes they're little tiny avatars of their disgusting plague plague god but you know what they're always happy and sassy nurgling can be used for a whole variety of things want to stick him on a tank he looks sassy on a tank want to use him as a demon prince on a big pile of skulls or stick little wings on him you can do it he is a nurgling with his arms on his on his hips who's wearing a helmet and what is better than that and that is why you should definitely get the sassy nurgling he is without a doubt unarguably the best model in
1: 40k thank you i had a bag on 40 well done (laughs) (laughs) ready so three two one jt go
3: there is only one model in 40k that matters, and that is the Archon. Plastic, metal, does not matter. The best model in 40k is the Archon. Why? Because cool guys don't look at explosions. Look at the pose in the plastic Archon. He literally is walking away from an explosion like, I am the baddest MF on the planet, and there is nothing you can do about it. Give me a husblade, give me a Power Sword, give me a Blast Pistol, give me an Agonizer, it doesn't matter. The metal Archon, though, this is where the magic happens. The cape, the skin tabard, the amazing ability to replace his head with an incubi head and put any weapons you want on him, the original gangster, the best model in 40k, the only man that matters is the original Archon model. And bang on 40 as well, thank you!
1: <laughs> Audience, you have your contestants, you have your pitches, now vote on Instagram, let us know who the winner is, thank you for taking Yeah,
2: well- part.
1: We'll get it. We'll get it on
2: Twitter as well, and we will. We will see who wins, and we'll make sure we we tag you guys and get 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 play on on there. And we'll have to see the, the grand battle. I'd would also quite like to just see the two battle seats go up <laughs> you know. I think that'd Ooh. be cool. I, but you know what it is? I saw a trailer for a new Pacific Rim like anime series they're doing with the like the big oh giant yeah robots. with the sassy nergling. So I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah with sassy nuggling he pilots he actually pilots one of the robots um no so i think it'd be cool we can have a sort of a, a cold star versus redemptor battle that'd be We've got awesome king kong versus um,
1: uh, godzilla coming up as well it's very all pacific rim ha- and kaijus coming about <laughs>
2: yeah kaiju yeah, yeah yeah it's awesome it's awesome man um and yeah so yeah, thank you very much guys. That was brilliant. So, I think then we should round out there with uh, with the game show and we'll let you listeners vote on that as I say on our social media. So, uh, we will round out in the traditional manner, which is perhaps a slightly silly question to ask, but Tack and JT, where can people
3: find you on the interwebs? JT take Go it away. Oh, tacks in the middle of doing again, typical tack he's working while we're doing this um youtube play on tabletop that's the easiest and fastest way to find us um also we're on facebook uh, and we're on instagram uh we don't really have a twitter presence at the moment uh we should probably fix that come to think of it but uh youtube play on tabletop <laughs> and uh, see what i mean by the ken leone hair you guys can't see this see how long <laughs> it's ken? he totally looks like he, he totally looks that's like why the, he's the, the, banned the, from oh, twitter i love it that's <laughs> <laughs> exactly it yeah yeah um but no play on tabletop on youtube and we're also on facebook and instagram um and the cool part about following us on instagram is we may occasionally post what we're doing in studio on our instagram so you can see like previews and stuff of what's happening um, also, but sometimes. in
0: order to get um kind of previews behind the scenes what's happening the best place to get that is patreon um obviously we are a growing studio uh we are trying to make this our 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 job um most of us are not actually full-time uh i work two jobs and uh play on uh personally and then nick's got a uh day job as well as uh play on so uh yeah um patreon really does support us in keeping up with the content that we want to produce and that is where you're going to get all
3: the behind the scenes stuff You love how I got him to jump in there by not mentioning Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) I knew we'd do it. I knew we'd do it. You know what?
2: It's it's clear that you have that background in sales. You're like, right? I know how to set this (laughs) up, and then we'll get tacked to come in with the with the with the big finish on the Patreon. But yeah, no, uh, (laughs) listeners, who who as I say, if you if you are um, if you are fans of uh, Play on Tabletop on YouTube, or if you've never watched them, go check them out, and yeah, get on get on their Patreon because what these guys do is pretty bloody cool, uh, if I say so myself. So, um ed the sandman where can we find you
4: yeah uh on youtube the sandman hobby and uh, yeah the same on instagram
1: cool and reza where can people find you uh instagram and reza prime and youtube uh reza prime as well we're actually finding how some videos <laughs> mostly you knocking about in call of duty
2: from uh, from what i understand
1: yeah, well you, me and you get a win on on it. So yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why. As I say, I got to do the sneaky promotion. Come on. Um, and uh, I have been ADR wargaming. I am on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter at ADR wargaming as well. And you can find the conclave on Instagram at conclave 40k um, and on all of your favorite channels Spotify, YouTube, etc. Um, also at just search for the conclave 40k podcast and we will show up. Um so it only remains to say thank you very much to TAC and jt to joining us this morning their time evening our time all the way from the west coast of canada so thanks guys it's been brilliant thank you for coming on and uh, to all our listeners see you again happy soon.
1: valentine's <laughs> and happy valentine's bye <laughs>